Kenai for the Kenai. We're back here at the Serenity Intake Office today with our second series of recovery stories. Joining us today is Sean. Sean, how are you today, man? Good. Good. Um, to start us off, do you mind just telling us a little bit about where you're from? Yeah. Um, my name is Sean. Uh, I was uh, born and raised in Oregon. To a, uh, I had a mom, dad, and one brother. And um, uh, it was uh, everything was provided for me very well as a child. Uh, my parents did not get along at all. Uh, there was always fighting going on, uh, numerous split-ups. And, uh, you know, I was being dragged from one parent to the other. And, um, but, you know, it was filled with plenty of love, uh, except between my mom and dad. And um, they ended up getting divorced uh, when I was uh, probably, you know, around 12 or so, junior high age. And uh, I ended up living with my dad, and my brother ended up living with my mom. How old was your brother? Were you uh, older or younger? No, he's younger. He's three years younger. Yeah. Were you and, two pretty close growing up? Yeah. Yeah, very close. So that, how far, if you don't mind me asking, how far away did you two end up when you were, so you were 12 and he was about 9? Mm -hmm. how, yes. how far apart were did you guys? Um, probably only like five, six miles. Okay. So it was... Still were able to see each other? Oh, yeah. We both went to uh, Catholic school. Mm -hmm. I, uh, I know uh, it'd be hard to believe today sometimes that I was raised that way, but, um, so I had a, you know, a strong belief in God, mm -hmm. uh, the traditional God mm -hmm. as my higher power. And, uh, my dad ended up moving to Alaska and, uh, For a job or something? Uh, yeah, a job yeah. and just a change, you know, he's, uh, <clears throat> we always kind of dreamed about it, you know. Yeah. Out. So Aaron and I are brothers mm -hmm. and, uh, we grew up in Montana. And, oh yeah. yeah, and so I moved up here about like six years ago, and he moved up about like nine months ago. So it's always interesting, to me at least, it's always a little bit interesting to hear like what brought other people to Alaska, you know? Yeah. And one of the things is like it was a dream, or it wasn't necessarily a dream of mine, but I guess when someone was like, hey, you want to go to Alaska? It was like not even like considered twice it was just kind of like yeah dude <laughs> yeah. i hate yeah, being warm you know, it just sounds like <laughs> yeah. i think maybe this is, i mean this is clearly a little bit off topic but at least to people that in the lower 48 it seems like and to me in the lower 48 at that time like alaska has like a mystery to it you know yeah. that like other places Mystique. yeah yeah very yeah. much so yeah, so anyway. I mean, still people think you live in igloos, but, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right. I've had people call me on the phone trying to get me to buy stuff, and uh, and they think of, you know, AK is Arkansas. It's like, no, oh, yeah. it's Alaska. I'm <laughs> yeah. Alaska. Yeah. And they had one guy ask me, do you guys have phones up there? Oh, my god! I was like, uh, yes, we do. You <laughs> called me on one. <laughs> He's like, oh, that's right. <laughs> Wow. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I know, right? When I found out I was going to go to Alaska for the summer, I one of the next days or the next uh, couple of days after I found out, I went into the AT&T store and I said, 
Yeah, I'm going to up to Alaska. You know, I, I mean, I doubt that I'll be able to get cell service. You know, I <laughs> yeah. doubt it. But <laughs> do you, maybe you could fill me in on like maybe there's some some ideas for me to somehow get some service out there. And he goes, yeah. "Where are you going?" I said, "Oh, the Kenai Peninsula." <laughs> and they go, "Oh, oh yeah, you got good service there, bud." And I'm like. <laughs> Oh, wow, cool. <laughs> you got lucky. So I was totally that guy. I think yeah. you're in this backwoods cabin. <laughs> I was totally that guy, yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so. so how old were you when you came to Alaska? Uh, I used to, I came up uh, and spent the summers with my dad up here. Mm. And I'd go back and, and uh, until I finished school. And, um, uh, but I moved up here for good. Uh, my dad came down, flew down, bought a brand new, uh, CJ7 Jeep the last year that they made them and uh, we drove back up and I've been here ever since. I had my 18th birthday on the beach in Kenai here. Wow. And uh, uh, yeah, it was pretty wild driving that up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, it was in spring still and mm. um, we took the Kaziar Highway which mm -hmm. is the, at the time it was rougher. Yeah. Gravel, mm -hmm. but there were uh, bridges that were washed out and stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was in four-wheel drive a lot of time. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. And I did that, that with no driver's license. Oh, my <laughs> um, goodness. I did lose my license uh, when I was 17 um, for uh, criminal mischief and uh, drinking. Mm -hmm. uh, I was spinning brodies down there in a, on the grass in a uh, county park. And it uh, just so happens the sheriff was already there waiting. Yeah. And yeah. I was like, oh, man. <laughs> and uh, so that was... Uh, Pretty yeah. sure I've seen something like that on a movie or something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> very, yeah. very fast times at Ridgemont High. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I also had been kicked out of uh, school for uh, a couple weeks for uh, going to showing up at school um, drunk, uh, extremely so drunk. So when did you start drinking? That's I about when my parents got divorced. About 12? Yeah. Pretty young. I, uh, I sure did. And uh, I hung out with some uh, uh, boys that were for, from a place called Rainbow Lodge, which was, you know, uh, they had criminal. You had to be a criminal, you know, to get their juvenile. Mm -hmm. And had to uh, qualify. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, you know, you hang out sometimes with the wrong crowd. And, yeah. Uh, but that's something I was looking for. I I just felt a need to escape. Mm -hmm. um, I it hurt me very deeply. Mm -hmm. um, it it really does suck to to want a nice family. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, you just don't end up having one. Yeah. And uh, so I moved up here and uh, lived in North Pole. That's where my dad had lived. And, uh, if I can just interrupt, just yeah. to jump back a little bit. Um, so you were drinking pretty regularly throughout high school, but was that kind of, were you thinking, or just kind of, you know, everyone else was kind of doing it? It wasn't a concern at this point. You weren't thinking in the back of your mind, like, maybe I... Maybe when I drink, it's different than others, or anything that was starting to indicate. No, like maybe you know, I, I. Okay. Well, I, you know, I mean, I did have to go to the hospital. Right. That one time. But too. I think other teens at times, yeah. you know, drink too much. You 
got a teenage brain yeah drink yeah okay exactly yeah, yeah. it was, it was mainly trying. weekend uh, yeah sometimes uh sometimes during the week uh, also you know smoked marijuana yeah but uh, at this point it's kind of like yeah my other just, you know my other friends are doing it my you know i, I got some okay yeah, yeah. Not a, okay yeah yeah and uh so moved up here and uh for good and uh, lived there for a year, and that was back when actually North Pole wasn't connected to Fairbanks. Uh, I was up there a few years ago, and I was like, man, so I'd grown right into it. Oh. <laughs> but uh, so I moved down here to the Kenai Peninsula to Sterling, and uh, I've lived in Sterling for 30-plus years. Yeah. Uh, I worked at Seafoods from Alaska there for a while. Uh, met my wife there. Uh, ended up uh, getting married after her third proposal to me. I, I said, okay. Oh, her proposal to you? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> need to get me one of them. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, she was a sweetheart. You know? Yeah. Mm. yeah. Still is. But, um, uh, my life was, I actually didn't really drink uh, hardly ever from, uh, uh, like when I turned 21, I remember... My dad took me to the, at the time it was a bar called the Bald Eagle, and we went there and had a couple of beers, just because it was my 21st birthday. And uh, yeah, and actually I used to go in there before I was 21. My dad actually was dating the bartender there. Oh, nice. Yeah, so. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's, that seems very it's, small town. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's definitely changed now for sure. But uh, I mean, coming from Montana, we see a lot of that, honestly. You know what I mean? It's one of those small town things. Everybody kind of knows everybody, you know. It's, yeah. It's honestly not seemingly super uncommon no, I for a lot of those so. kinds of things, especially yeah. then. Yeah, uh, yeah, it was no problem. There was another bar called Millie's. They'd go up there and drink too, just as long as uh, they didn't want me to sit at the bar. You know, at a table, and uh, it was kind of funny. And have a coke there real quick too. Mm -hmm. You yeah. know, you hardly ever saw any. Uh, you know, the only time the police officers showed up is if there was a, a huge fight or something. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, would you say at, at that point, like your life was going pretty great? So you're like, you know what? I don't, I don't need to escape anywhere. Like, why, why, why would I leave? <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, I felt really good. Uh, I uh, had a year-round job, had a nice uh, girlfriend, um, and uh, yeah, I didn't uh, I didn't smoke weed, uh, didn't really drink much, uh, just every once in a while, and uh, ended up getting married. Uh, we flew down to uh, Las Vegas and uh, got married down there. And, it, you know, it was fun, definitely fun. Uh, a lot more people showed up to it than I wanted to. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you mentioned Vegas. Oh, you're going to Vegas to get married? Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll be there. <laughs> yeah. Your invite got lost in the mail. <laughs> yeah. But I guess, yeah. But, um, yeah, so uh, I did lots of fishing, hunting, uh, um, everything was great. Yeah, got married, you know, like I said, uh, came back, 
and um, we lived in a few different uh, places there in Sterling uh, that we rented. Um, but I always wanted to have a house, and so did my wife. And uh, so we bought a place that was uh, just kind of framed up, and uh, with a couple different lots, uh, uh, like one-acre lot property, and uh, ended up uh, working on it and uh, finished it all up. And uh, with some help from my father-in-law and uh, a few friends, you know, when needed. And, uh, yeah, I had a nice place there. And um, we, uh, we, we, we were waiting to have kids because my wife really wanted to have kids. And this is something we talked about before we were married. I was like, you know, typical guy. Yeah, you know, okay. And... Uh, but I wanted to have a place, you know, uh, uh, something owned. Mm -hmm. And uh, so she came home one day and uh, was just lit up like a beam, you know, big old smile. And I'm looking at her. As she came in the door, I'm, I knew something was up, you know, but it must be good. Mm -hmm. And she goes, I asked her, yeah, what's, what's going on? I'm pregnant. And I was like. Actually, I had a beer in my hand at the time. I can remember. Uh, it was a nice summer day, and uh, I instantly dropped my beer straight out of my hand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, okay. Man, I guess I'm going to be a dad. Yeah. And I was like, well, cool. How old are you at this point? Uh, I was probably, I'm trying to think, uh, actually probably around 25. And... Um, you know, uh, we had waited, a f you know, like I said, a few years, and uh, instead of like some people, you know, mm -hmm. or most people, I should say. So uh, once uh, I remember, I uh, started drinking a little bit more, kind of uh, just the anxiety, you know, and nervous about what's, you know, how our lives are going to change. Mm -hmm. And uh, I can remember going to the hospital here in Soldatna. Uh, when she was uh, in labor, and uh, my uh, had, my mom had even flown up, um, and just had the, you know like the entire waiting room, where people you know uh, relatives you know, mm. and I was like oh man, you know so I walked in I walked right out went to the liquor store bought a pint of whiskey came back, and drank some there in the hospital in the bathroom, and then went back out. And uh, went in, and uh, about an hour later, uh, cut the umbilical cord of my uh, daughter, firstborn. And um, so, at that point, were you thinking maybe this is, maybe there's some red flags here? Yeah, or, uh, just just a little bit. At that bit. point in yeah. your life, maybe were you thinking? somewhere along the lines of like maybe I use this to like cope or self-medicate a little more than yeah, is um, good or, or I didn't really preferred. notice it or think of it as anything really bad you know sure. but you know there were some signs like sure. that like that one you know when you're in it it might be harder than looking yeah. back right yeah maybe, maybe was it more like well this probably isn't socially acceptable you're like you well know. yeah there's a reason I drank it in the bathroom you know, right, right right but you weren't like oh this is a problem it's just like 
yeah, nobody needs to see this. But it didn't feel like, oh, this could be, become an issue sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. No, I thought it was, you know, I could control it just fine. Mm-hmm. And uh, we went home and, uh, you know, started life with a new little girl. And uh, as she grew up, you know, I can remember uh, taking her uh, to do uh, gold prospecting and uh, took her hiking. You know, I had one of those little backpacks where you can put them in. Yeah, and, yeah. And, uh, yeah, because, you know, she she could walk and stuff, but not super far. Mm. Had her little potty chair in the back of my truck, set her up in that, you know, when we were uh, prospecting. And, uh, but she was potty trained really young, you know, before uh, age two. Wow. And, uh, yeah, uh, we got to see some uh, big brown bears, too, in Cooper Landing. Uh, I took her out, you know, and showed her. She was asleep. Took her out, and she, I said, yeah, look over there. She just looked, and she, eyes, oh, you know, got huge, and she just lit up. Bear? And I said, yeah. Hmm. And, uh, yeah, there was a huge male and a female. But uh, went on from there and uh, had my son born uh, two years later. Hmm. And uh, that same, time. Same anxiety kind of around that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, my wife came home, the same thing, yeah. and uh, opened the door, except she was like just uh, a little bit of tears. Really? Yeah. And I said, what? what's wrong? I'm pregnant again. <laughs> and uh, I was like, oh, all right. Uh, and uh, ended up, you know, had a son then. Uh, yeah, things were... Uh, Things were uh, pretty good. Uh, I uh, still had a good job. Uh, I was a mechanic at a uh, boat and snow machine uh, uh, business that's still here in town. You know, it's like the biggest one. And so uh, uh, things were going really good. And then... Uh, at this point, it kind of sounds like the pretty typical Alaskan life, you know what I mean? You got Wife, couple kids, house, you know. Yeah. Kind of yeah. just living life at this point, it seems like, you know. Yeah, house, boat, and snow machine, and uh, and uh, started going to snow machine a lot more then, like every weekend. And uh, I did start to notice, uh, I didn't think it was a problem, but uh, always had a lot of beer and, you know, whiskey and stuff with us. On the weekends? Yeah. What about on the weekdays at this point? Uh, sometimes after work, yeah, I'd stop and uh, buy a 12-pack. And uh, is your, Would you say, I mean, as best as you can kind of gauge, was your wife at this point a little bit concerned or a little bit, like, upset or, like, fed up with drinking uh, at this point? Like, what are some of the people around you, kind of, how are they treating your drinking at this point? Yeah, my my wife wasn't fed up at the time, and uh, uh, she was okay, you know. But yeah, there were definitely you know times when I had had way too much, and mm -hmm. and just the uh, craziness that goes you know around with it. Mm -hmm. And my wife didn't drink, so, uh, you know, maybe one margarita or a daiquiri or something a year, mm -hmm. and uh, so it's just stressful for her when those yeah. kind of things would occur. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure it was. And uh, 
it's kind of one of those things that uh, the people around you kind of think that, you know, well, you could have a problem, you know, before I was thinking that. Sure. And, uh, but yeah, I, I did some, uh, uh, some really crazy things, you know. I mean, I not really fighting with her, but just, you know, uh, <laughs> going in the ditch on certain roads, you know, back mm -hmm. roads, and I didn't even know where I was at, mm -hmm. you know, when I'd wake up. And, yeah, so I did try to quit a couple times. Oh, you down. did? Yeah. Because you thought, because you just thought this yeah, is, these are yeah, causing well, some it, Yeah, I started buying beer, you know, every night after okay. work. And, uh. Do you know what, was it just kind of a slow thing where you're just like, ah, eh, it's probably not that big of a deal? Or was it like, I guess, did you did you feel guilty about going to the ditch? Or it's just like, what what, what kind of change, or was there a change between, you know, it's like, eh, on the weekends, you know, after work, and then it's like kind of getting more consistent. Was there kind of a feeling associated with that? Or was it just kind of like a slow thing? Uh, yeah, it was kind of slow at first, you know, but it definitely progressed. Uh, I just, you know, my friends and stuff, I was in the party crowd. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, I'd stop on the way home at friends' house, houses mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, drink beer and stuff for a while. And, yeah, it, uh, I did try to quit a few times, uh, you know, week. Yeah, you know, and then it's like, well, it's the weekend. I'm going to do this. Yeah, yeah. It was kind of a thing, like you know, well, I work hard, you know, play hard, so yeah, you mm -hmm. know, when it's Miller time, it's Miller time. Yeah, I think that's a common attitude in Alaska, especially in certain industries. You yeah, know, I bet there's a lot of, I bet there's a lot of hard labor jobs, whether that be you know mechanic or oil jobs or fishing or you know commercial fishing, whatever, where you know, you work real hard, and then you know, getting torn up, you know, on a for a couple of days is just part of the culture, and it just kind of, you know, at that point, it's not seen as yeah. as a problem, or it's not. It's just kind of what what you do, you know. So yeah, I think I was, that can be. I kind of looked at it consider. as yeah. as being almost proud of just it. part of the culture. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, not almost. I was proud. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can, you know, I'm Alaskan. You know, yeah. work hard, play hard, and yeah. And uh, I, I think that's think, important to I consider. I think that's you very know? common. Yeah. Yeah. And especially in those industries, you know, to be proud of it, like one of those things where, like, oh yeah, I can go out and drink till two, and I'm going to be right up for work at eight, and you know, like no exactly. matter what day it is, I'm always ready to have a good time. You know, like, there is a pride associated with being that guy and being looked at as that guy and feeling like the guy in those certain contexts. And, yeah. And I think that's you know important to consider. I don't think you know none of us like exist on like our own little island, you know, I mean, mm -hmm. the attitudes around us are, are influential and they're going to, you know, so when you hear, I, I guess when I hear somebody's like, you know, I was drinking hard and, you know, going in the ditch and blacking out three times a week, I, you know, <laughs> some people from, you know, certain would be like, and you don't think you might have had some red flags, <laughs> yeah. but then yeah. when you really take that cultural element into it, it's, they weren't like red flags, and it's in it's fact like a, they were probably indicators that you were doing some things okay. Well, it's like war stories. It's like yeah, I went into the ditch last week, but I made it, and they're like, hey, and, you know, <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. because yeah. that's what it is. Like, how I did the same thing, you know, last week 
put my snow machine through the garage door or something, you know, just just something crazy, and you're just like, ha, you have a laugh about it, but, I mean, eventually that's kind of like the stories that you share. It's just like, oh, we did this crazy thing, and it's like, well, if you don't have some crazy thing, and it's like, well, those guys who had those crazy things, they must have been having a great time. Right. And it sounds like they were, but then you don't see the other side of it right it slowly gets out of control and and there there's not a balance there well, and it yeah. might be out of control that whole time you True. know i mean it can't i would say a lot of times you know it's probably pretty damaging on relationships uh it's pretty damaging just overall in life with how well you're really dealing with you know you're perhaps your responsibilities or maybe what you truly want you know I mean it's to some respect you might really think like this is a lifestyle that I want to live forever but then on the other hand maybe you know when you go to bed or certain times you think maybe this isn't or maybe oh I I wanted to stop and I didn't that's scary you know yeah I think a lot of not a lot but I think of another thing that when you hear and tell those stories that people don't understand is the damage potential oh yeah you know what i mean it's it like oh yeah so bad. i went into the ditch haha you know telling these stories with your buddies at the bar but that story could have been easily been at your funeral oh, yeah. I just went off the ditch and flipped yeah, wow. you know what i mean yeah, yeah you... like the damage potential that comes behind with those stories that we fail to actually look at yeah or you, or you hit a an, an oncoming car you know? yeah 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 um that's just a step away really and sometimes I wonder, you know, if we, you know, if we drink as individuals to somewhat cope, mm-hmm. um, and it's not always to cope, I would say, you know, yeah, I would say yeah. at times, you know, sometimes, you know, you truly enjoy to have a few beers and have a good time, you know, mm-hmm. it's not, it's not, I don't think it's n- like inherently in itself indicative of like, oh, he has problems he's coping with, right? Yeah. I don't right. think that, no, that. No, no, however... No. I would say excessive drinking regularly may at times be a form of coping. Mm-hmm. And if that is your only source, you know, that becomes uh, maybe a, perhaps a poor way of coping as an individual. Mm-hmm. If you take that to like a community level and you see communities engaging in excessive drinking on a regular basis and not having really many other outlets for potential stressors, I would say that, you know, as a community, you've developed a coping problem, mm-hmm. you know, and that's influential, you know, Definitely. living in a community, living in communities or cultures where that's a part of the expected coping, one, it, I would say, drives you toward that, mm-hmm. or it's heavily influential in that, as well as when there are true problems with you as an individual, there isn't like a contrast with a healthy community to say, oh, this is a problem. It more just says, oh, I'm just like everybody else in my community. This is what I know. This is where I grew up, blah, blah, blah. Put factor on factor on factor. And the next thing you know. And they hide well, it with this big facade of fun. You right. Know what I mean? It's right. just it's fun. It's, it's just time. fun. Yeah. 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 Well, and can you imagine trying to it's interesting. quit? Like you were saying, <clears throat> you know, you quit yeah. for a week, but then your friends call you up on the weekend and if you're quitting, and you're then they have to think, well, he's, he's saying that what I'm doing is wrong, right? Because mm-hmm. if he's not joining, he's saying, I'm going to quit. This is a problem. Then, well, I drink way more than he does. Yeah. So that, that can actually mm-hmm. turn your own community against you for sticking mm-hmm. out because you're the standard that, that they don't want to think about. They don't want to think about how they're, they're not able to quit if they've been wanting to. or that, Even if it, they're not actively thinking about it, you've got to wonder how much harder it is 
when your support group is involved with the thing that you struggle with and they're not actively you know trying to to um, find a solution for that like, yeah, that's just their go-to like you're talking dude, about community that's funny you say that um, I know a guy and I won't name like any names or anything but I know a guy essentially and his uh, he had some friends and family that drank to excess regularly and he pretty much said, like, I'm sick of this, dude. Every time we all get together, like, it just gets stupid. It just gets crazy. People get mad. People are rude. You just can't. It ruins our experiences. Mm -hmm. And he says, I'm sick of it. And really now, like, on a regular basis, like, his, like a lot of his family members will say, like, we'll just call him Steve. His name's not Steve. But we'll call him <laughs> Steve. They're like, they're like... Oh, oh, better, better get your, uh, better get your suit on. Steve's here and like really makes fun of him as if he's like right. a total lame. Yeah. But he's yeah. not. Like, yeah. like, no, they're like, but like his family. Yeah. Like, oh my family God. Like, oh, mm -hmm. Steve's here. Like better, you know, blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, party's over. Steve's here. Yeah. <laughs> Bed yeah. at night. Passive <laughs> <aggressive>. <laughs> and really, he's just like, guys, if we could just, if people could just not, if like half of this group could not get blacked out drunk every time. <laughs> together that would be a lot more fun but really you know, and like even though like it sounds ridiculous and it's like kind of funny to laugh at like they truly do like make him like they truly are a kind of like like you suck yeah you know <laughs> pretty much really passive aggressively yeah mm -hmm. so totally. yeah it's interesting it's a lot of barriers to kind of getting kind of getting your life to a place where you want it to be yeah well and what's harder like quitting quitting drinking or or something or finding new friends like can you imagine how hard that is like thinking about oh i can't really hang out with this friend because there's going to be a temptation or i can't really you know i think more than friends too it's like you know bigger than that like you yeah. disconnect from your from your roots you know oh yeah from your culture yeah. from yeah. what you know yeah you know, that's hard yeah it's like all my friends drank, mm -hmm. right? And, and relatives and people I worked with. Did you did you tell them like, hey, I'm gonna try to quit? Did they react to that? No, or? I just did it, you know. Yeah. And, <laughs> and uh, it's probably why it would only last like a week, right? Um, but I had, at the <clears throat> at this time I had noticed uh, that. Uh, um, you know, every time I would drink, it would start out as having fun, mm -hmm. but I couldn't stop, you know, at that level, mm -hmm. and uh, would go, you know, until uh, very drunk, you know, and pass out some, you know, somewhere, uh, at home, you know, usually, but, uh, you know, and that's when all the crazy side comes out, you know, mm -hmm. and... Uh, I imagine you're, because uh, at this point, your daughter's probably around seven, yeah. Your son's a couple years younger than her? Yes. Yeah, so he's seven and five. Yeah. Responsibilities with and your involvement in their lives are increasing yeah. and that's yeah. probably causing some difficulties in the home as well as with just like yourself, not to be like all weird, but like kind of your own relationship with yourself. Yes. It's, it's becoming difficult. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. You know, I wasn't really aware of that. At, at that time, but, um, but yeah, you know, the kids were doing good, uh, son was in, uh, Pop Warner, and my daughter, you know, had dance classes, you know, mm -hmm. a couple times a week, and, 
and uh, so busy, you know, very busy lifestyle. Uh, and this was the start of, you know, when I started putting my wife through a, a lot that I didn't realize at the time, you know, uh, because she didn't drink, you know, uh, she didn't party. Um, and, uh, you know, worried, you know, it's like, man, wonder what time, where's Sean at? What time will he be home, you know? And uh, um, I was off doing my thing. And, uh, yeah, so she got to see a lot of the, the uh, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde effect, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and the kids, too, you know, a little bit. Uh, um, but as uh, things progressed and stuff, I, uh, or my life progressed, I should say. Right, right. Um, we, uh, uh, I ended up, I worked at a, another, uh, uh, for, the, uh, for the government, and uh, which was a really fun job. Mm -hmm. What were you doing? Uh, was, uh, I worked for Fish and Game. Oh, cool. And, uh, uh I uh, had a lot of fun, you know, um, just a very interesting job. And uh, would work on their boat and boat motors and stuff like in the winter part. And then uh, but would be out in the field, uh, you know, on the, uh, one of the rivers here, you know, mainly the Kenai River. And uh, I did a lot of test netting and whatnot and uh, creel surveys. And uh, it was just a lot of fun. But uh, I did uh, continue to drink, you know, after work and on weekends. I thought maybe, you know, like changing my job. I just was kind of bored with it, you know. Uh, so I moved on to something different. And uh, it did, you know, it wasn't uh, near as bad as it was, but it was still there. And then, you know, it didn't take long, you know, to got back to where I usually was. Uh, I never drank at work and it was always showed up, you know. And, uh, yeah, I was always proud of myself for that, too. I used to give some people shit sometimes, you know, for not. It's like, you showed up, you know, I made it to work. You know, what the heck? You can't make it to work? Mm -hmm. And uh, um, once again, part of that uh, Alaska spirit, you know. And... Um, but uh, it eventually slowed down, you know, after, uh, I think I was there like 15 years. Oh, wow. Um, it had slowed down, and I was, for some reason, looking for another change, kind of, you know. Uh, I so at this point, you're I approaching... I regret that change, but... You're approaching like almost 40, and you don't really have much yeah. legal involvement? No, 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 no so, DUIs. Uh, okay. Matter of fact, I uh, had a perfect driving record and absolutely no criminal record. Oh, wow. And uh, the thing with the alcohol when I was a, a juvenile in Oregon got... Uh, Sealed. Yeah. Yeah. Got destroyed when yeah. I turned 18. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so absolutely perfect. Uh, I took a job up on the slope uh, for money, basically. Yeah. And uh, so then I thought, man, you know, that's pretty good. You know, uh, it was fun and definitely uh, in, again... With another, uh, another work hard, you know, play hard. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, we. Yeah. And. Uh, Stories about the slope. <laughs> oh yeah, and 
Yeah, so I, I uh, essentially became. Were a, you on a like a sorry? Were you on like a two week on, two week yeah, off kind of exactly. thing? Okay. How was that? Was that? Uh, you know, I had uh, it was. Uh, yeah, it was actually really hard on me. Sure. To be away from my family. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, when you're up there for a little while, you know that you they, you know, you can call and stuff. Cell phone. Not the same. Use. No, but, and then even, you know, they've got their own lives going yeah. on, you know. doesn't stop and, because you're gone. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. That's what I noticed about, like, when I moved up here. It was like, moved up here from Montana, I'd go back home, and for some reason, you think everything's going to just kind of be the same. And you go back, and yeah. you're like, well, life really moved on without me, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, it's, that's an interesting thing, you know, you... Uh, you leave somewhere or you're gone from somewhere where you were really involved and mm -hmm. you know everybody's lives just keep moving on yeah they it's do an interesting thing so. and yeah i noticed i would get uh less and less uh phone calls yeah. and you know or mm. if i'd call you know it's like oh yeah we're doing that oh, you know i gotta go i'll call you later you know mm -hmm. and uh so um actually i felt very alone up there yeah, uh, yeah. a lot of the times i understand mm -hmm. that and, uh, uh, but, you know, I was, uh, good. I didn't drink, you know, mm -hmm. uh, for two weeks. And, uh, yeah. but for two weeks when at home, I drank every single day. Oh, yeah. So on the slope, I don't really know a lot of, because, uh, we have, well, um, in North Dakota, there's like the Bakken oil field. But I don't, I think a lot of people, I think that's a little bit, not near as isolated at least, you know, mm -hmm. as the North Slope is. Um, I think people can play hard while still working on their hitch in North mm -hmm. Dakota. I'm not for certain on that, but I think you can I think you can play hard well on your hitch. I think it's harder for people to play hard on the slope, but do, do people generally, like, is there a whole lot of, like, drug and alcohol abuse in, in your experience? And obviously it's not like we're going to characterize the entire slope or no. what that means. I'm just trying to wonder what that is like. If somebody um, you hear a few stories, you but know, but I, I never saw any yeah. drinking okay. stuff. I know that, uh, that they do have uh, people, you know, that end up getting caught, you know, tested positive for drug use. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah. Cause I think in North Dakota, if you, you oh, might know yeah. better, Aaron, but I think in North Dakota, some people, since it's not very isolated at all, I think some people can be on their hitch and play hard, not on the exact, like, not on the rig or whatever. Yeah. Throughout yeah. their hitch on a somewhat regular basis. A lot basis. of those rigs are like really close to certain towns. Yeah. And those towns have grown exponentially since the boom. So right. it's a lot of oil work. So you can work for your 12 there. hours and go party at the bar and hopefully make yeah. it back in time. To there's, yeah. More, yeah. there's more bars in those certain towns than there are any other establishment. Yeah. You know? yeah. And there's full all the time. Yeah, yeah. Let's wait till they have McDonald's bars. Oh, they got McDonald's. Oh, yeah. No, no, I'll say, that's a double establishment. There's no escape. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, okay, you're up, uh, but it's hard. Yeah. Um, I'd come back. The kids are getting old at this point, too. Oh, yeah, yeah, and, yeah, they're all in high school and uh, um, doing very well in sports. Uh, and... Uh, I just, I don't know, I kind of lost a little bit of connection with my own family. I didn't really realize it at the time, but uh, uh, actually I lost a lot of connection, I should say. Mm -hmm. I just, uh, you know, come back home and I feel like, man, 
you know, everything's just rocking and rolling, and I just kind of stand back and look, you know, and and, uh, and during this time, I uh, I found out later here that my wife actually, and I actually felt it. My wife uh, actually enjoyed it more when I wasn't at home. And uh, just more peaceful. Yeah. 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 And uh, and of course, all that did was ended up fueling my drinking. Because mm -hmm. you uh, felt more disconnected. Yeah. Was it? Do you think uh, that's something that you could have talked about, or do you think maybe? Like the lack of communication made it more difficult because you're like, I feel this way, but I feel like I can't talk about it, you know, because it doesn't seem fair. But then it's not fair the other way. So it's just kind of something that you quietly dealt with. Yeah, I, I brought it up a few times, you know, and um, it just, uh, just kind of, uh, nothing became of it, you know. Um, kind of like, what, do you, what, what can we do? It's like, yeah. what can we do? I don't know. I don't know how to deal with this kind of thing. Yeah, and uh, I didn't press it very hard, you know. Um, mm -hmm. I just kind of, uh, I still go out, you know, to the sporting events and stuff. Mm -hmm. But uh, I definitely felt isolated, you know. Yeah. And uh, alone. Yeah. And uh, so that it might. Uh, um, What's your connection with with? What's your connection like with your kids at this point? Um, pretty decent. Um, I just started to kind of uh, um, uh, be a little bit more disconnected from them, even. Um, and uh, it, it just. Uh, you know, they're so busy at that age, you know, and then, yeah. you know, at a vehicle and cell phone, this and that. And, yeah. You know, which I understand, too, you know I mean? I was a kid once, mm -hmm. also. Yeah. yeah. They're not really interested. They're interested in their peer yeah. relationships. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And so that's so why I asked that question, because it seems like it'd be easy for them. Not easy, but, like, you know, just kind of in the midst of all that, you know, like, in being in high school, like, Oh, dad's up on the slope, and oh, dad's home for two weeks, you know, and it's kind of one of those things that just... Yeah, oh, i got to go to soccer and basketball yeah, and turn in my report. Gone. and Yeah, I think back about high school sometimes, and it's just <laughs> like, man, I was so... This sounds terrible, but it's really pretty true. I mean, there's an extent here, but I was so indifferent to my parents' lives. Definitely. Like, at that yeah. point, yeah. I was just oh, like... Yeah. You got Absolutely. food, you got, I mean, you, you got, you're putting, you're giving me some food, you give yeah. me some gas money, cool, peace, like, <laughs> yeah. like, see you guys in five years, you know, it's like, and really that's, you know, what we, you know, as I've taken a number of psych classes, it's just that that's normal, I think, really, I I'm mean, sure it is children, normal, teenagers know. at that time are heavily invested in peer relationships, I mean, that is like one of their sole focuses. Yeah, how many kids that age do you see that are just uh, walking around with their parents all day? Or, yeah, mm -hmm. you yeah know, not none. many. So, yeah, they're, man, they're growing up. My mom. Yeah, yeah. I remember it just being a huge burden of like, my parents being like, "Oh, Eric, family you, movie. You have to. Uh, we're gonna have a. <laughs> we're gonna all watch a movie together uh, next week on Tuesday." And I'm like dreading Tuesday. Oh man, <laughs> gotta gotta hang out with my mom, and my dad. You know? <laughs> yeah, and you look back now and you're thankful, but now anyway.
Yeah. yeah. So they're probably yeah they're probably thinking like oh dad's had a good job that's cool I can buy new cleats or buy cleats. Yeah. For, yeah. yeah like wait yeah. I come home and and. Uh, Say you know yeah you want to go to Wilderness Way I'll buy you a jacket mm -hmm. uh, sure I'll hang out with you for I got like an hour Dad yeah yeah like, okay yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. but um, so you mentioned kind of feeling isolated do you think you started to withdraw from your friends at all or did you still have like did you still have connections hmm. in your life or did you kind of start breaking away and kind of isolating because um, of the feelings I I did. Uh, uh, still have friends, you know, that I hung out with, and, uh, um, but, you know, that was about to change, because uh, I ended up, uh, the company that I worked for got into a uh, dispute with uh, British Petroleum, you know, obviously about money, mm -hmm. ex more money that they wanted for the contract, and uh, BP said, no, go ahead and leave, so... Uh, that job came to an end, and I, uh, so I w was at home, and uh, I actually didn't work for a couple of years, and, you know, that... Is your wife working? Yeah. Yeah, my wife is a, uh, um, a teacher, and uh, she had went back to school. I imagine that was really hard for you. Yeah. Um... Yeah, it was. Because uh, it sounds like to me, you didn't drink at work, and that was, and maybe this is inaccurate, those were some of the main, like, almost guarantees of when you weren't going to drink. Outside of that, it was yes. pretty well fair game. Mm -hmm. Yes. So at this point, it's all fair game. It is. Yeah. Game's on. Yeah. And, uh, and it was. Yeah. Man, I uh, just started drinking more, drinking, drinking, drinking. And I imagine you're relationship at this point as far as like some like real authentic connection is starting to deteriorate yes very which fast. is just making i mean it sounds like we could just get one thing leading to another to another yeah so you feel disconnected at the slope and then you're not working and it's all fair game and then you're disconnected from your wife and pretty soon you are pretty dang isolated i mean those factors that are going to kind of protect you from deteriorating further are just falling by the... Yep, that's exactly what happened. Yeah, wow. Uh, I'd see uh, one of my friends every once in a while at the liquor store and uh, to use one of their, one of their words, they uh, said, man, I haven't seen you in a while. You're such a recluse, you know? You're mm -hmm. so reclusive. And I thought, hmm, yeah, well, see you later. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I definitely was isolated. And, uh, you know, I... I did it myself, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and uh, it's just a progression of the the, the disease that I uh, have, mm -hmm. and uh, I didn't really know any of this stuff about isolation and connection. Mm -hmm. uh, knew absolutely nothing. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, what I knew was, you know, uh, if I didn't want to uh, deal with any emotions. Uh, drink alcohol, mm -hmm. yeah. and uh, that uh, that ends up uh, escalating uh, my drinking and whatnot. Uh, so I ended up uh, uh, 
being arrested by the Alaska State Troopers for an, a big incident I had uh, involving uh, uh, fighting with uh, people close to me and uh, and a firearm. Mm. And uh, so, yeah, off to jail I went. Mm -hmm. And um, never been in jail, yeah. ever. Like I, said, I had, had a perfect, perfect record. Yes. Yeah, you no mean, criminal record, like, yeah. absolutely a perfect yeah. driving record. And then it all just kind of yeah. uh, came to a, to a head. How I never got a DUI is, uh, you know, I, I don't know how right, I didn't get right. it. Mm -hmm. yeah. I just couldn't see you in the ditch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just got yeah. behind the trees. Yeah, because yeah. I definitely have uh, had done a lot of crazy stuff. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but... Uh, my time had come, and uh, went in there, and uh, um, since I was, uh, uh, had no record and whatnot, uh, the charges got lowered eventually after, you know, about my 10th time to court, and uh, I could have got bailed out. Uh, I didn't have the money to bail myself out, but my dad offered to, and I... Uh, I was so disgusted with myself that uh, I just told him no. I said, Had you felt this kind of shame before? Um, I mean, yeah, let's, um, maybe not a ton of time on it, but what was shame like throughout this? I mean, not just the arrest, but like, what was your experience with shame, with thinking I am, not necessarily that I'm doing bad things, but that I am, I as a person am bad. Yeah, what was your I, experience with that? I definitely thought that. Uh, um, uh, actually, through my whole uh, uh, early teens, up to my you know up to this point, yeah, I felt uh, um, that I I felt unworthy mm -hmm. of good things for some reason. You know, yeah, I had no idea why. Uh, I had a feeling, you know, like I wasn't good enough, so I had to work extra hard. And uh, and I did, you know. There was actually a lot of people that worked with me that didn't want to go and work with me, not because I was a mean person or anything to them, but because, you know, I was like, I didn't take breaks. Mm -hmm. You know, go, 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 go. Mm -hmm. And uh, I even had, uh, when I worked for the state, I was brought into my uh, supervising biologist's office three different times and uh, told to slow down. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I thought, I thought, why is that, you know, tell me that <laughs> I'm working too hard, mm -hmm. you know? And, uh, yeah, yeah, and he told me, uh, you know, it's not a competition. And I said, it's not? <laughs> he said, it is to me. <laughs> mm -hmm. Do you think that was, like, the flip side of, you know, um, Feeling like you're not good enough, you felt like you had to work extra hard. Yes. Right. But then when you were done with work and you couldn't be constantly proving, you know, hey guys, I'm totally kicking butt all the time. You know, did you feel like, uh, um, because you weren't doing something, like especially when you didn't have a job, did oh, that yeah. just really bring in the feeling of oh, like I can't yeah. work super hard yeah. and just, you know. I felt, people's expectations of I felt absolutely worthless. Mm. I really did. Yeah. I felt like a burden. And uh, and it was at this time that I... And it took me a, a long time to realize, you know, what I had 
had done. Mm -hmm. But I uh, felt so bad about myself that I felt that I didn't deserve a nice, happy family. Mm -hmm. And my wife, I just uh, pushed her away. Mm. I really did, big time. A little self-sabotage? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah I guarantee you that. And, uh, um, anyways, uh, when I was in jail, I ended up, I got 90 days, so by the time everything was over and done with, I only had to do, you know, Did like... Did you detox in jail? Uh, yeah, yeah, wow. I was in uh, detox cell number four. Wow. Uh, they had to put me in uh, DT1, which is a one-person cell when I first was in there. Because I was too rowdy. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, rowdy. Yeah, it's like cement floor and that's it. Yeah. Mm. I was like, oh, man. And, <laughs> yeah, that was a rude awakening uh, going to the jail system at Wildwood. And um, so I didn't have, I, th I think I had like uh, three more weeks and uh, 90 days would be up. But, uh, and I had been transferred over when I was in there. I spent a week in the detox part. And then I was transferred to Building 10, which is the uh, main prison part. Mm -hmm. And um, so my first two roommates when I was in there, uh, uh, the one never would say what he did. The other one was in there for uh, first-degree murder. And... Uh, yeah, that was a little different. Yeah. <laughs> That's got to do something to your identity. I mean, I could be wrong here, but, like, your self-identity, you know what I mean? You're sitting there, and this is just me speculating, obviously, so tell me what I'm wrong, if I'm wrong. You're sitting there, like, you know, laying above this guy who's a first-degree murderer and thinking to yourself, I'm more or less on par with this person. I mean, we're in the same place. Not certain it's exactly the same sentence, but we're doing the same daily activities. I'm living the same life as this person. At some point, does that kind of absorb into your own personal identity, just to yourself, not necessarily? Oh, oh yes. Yeah. Yeah, I, uh, I actually took on a little bit of a criminal, you know, element come out of me. Not that I had been a criminal, you know, before, mm -hmm. uh, you know, so to speak, you know. Right. Um, yeah. But yeah, you know, I hung out with uh, a couple of characters in there that I didn't even know, you know, that uh, they were uh, gang related. And, uh, but, uh, you know, it's actually, there was some, I had some very funny times in there uh, that you guys just, I hadn't laughed in so long. And, uh, and then I also had, you know, some of the worst times in my life. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's a very, uh, very di different atmosphere, you know. You, you have to be on your guard, you know, big time. And, uh, but yet, it actually was a, um, it could have been a lot worse, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Mm. Um, you know, you mind your own business. Uh, you know, if you're looking for trouble, you know, you'll definitely find it. Mm -hmm. You know, you stick your nose where it doesn't belong and you're probably gonna get hit in the nose. Mm. But, uh, but when I got out, I, uh, I had, uh, I could not go back to my house. I couldn't, uh, you know, I couldn't get up my vehicle. I couldn't get anything. Uh, I couldn't uh, go to any bank accounts. So I basically had nothing. And my daughter picked me up. Uh, she is not, wasn't living at the house. 
at that time she had, you know, was uh, moved out on her own and uh, but lived with a friend. So I went and stayed with her uh, for like a month. And um, uh, my dad had, had lent me some money, so I I had a little money and but that was a very very uh, awkward feeling and very strange, you know, not having access to any of the stuff that I had had. Mm -hmm. And my house and stuff, it was all paid for. Didn't owe anything on it. And I was really proud of that. It was something that I wanted to do. And uh, it just felt, you know, really bad that I couldn't, could no longer go there. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but when I was in jail, you know, I thought, well, man, I had, uh, you know, didn't use tobacco or alcohol. You know, and there's definitely a lot of drugs in there, uh, a lot, and uh, but I didn't want to use heroin or meth, so uh, was no big issue for me with that. But I had thought, man, uh, talked to the phone on the phone uh, with my dad, which he lived outside. He had moved out, you know, kind of retire, and. Um, uh, he was telling me, well, you know, that's good, man, that you, at least one good thing of it, you know, is that you don't drink, mm -hmm. you quit drinking. And I had that mindset. And, uh, but I got out and, uh... Drinking within a week. I was, uh, released at 8 a.m. Drinking at 11. And, uh, <laughs> my, you just my, uh... Mm -hmm. yeah. well, I bet it happened quick. My, right? uh, my daughter, the first... Uh, stop was in, uh, we were heading back out to Sterling. I stopped in downtown Kenai and got a, uh, uh, got me some tobacco. And then, uh, made it all the way to, uh, right outside of Soldatna to Big John's. Mm -hmm. And I needed to go into the store and get a few things. Uh, uh, I didn't tell her, you know, it was the liquor store I was going to. But yeah, I went. He came out and she knew it, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, I got it in my hands. You know, Twelve she, pack of beer and a fifth of whiskey. Kind of like, yeah, she's dad. I'm like, you know, I just, you know, uh, I just, you know, look where I came from. You know, it's, it's yeah. just going to be, you know, for the night here. You know, I need something to relax with, and yeah, that's all it. I mean, it was bam, but yeah, yeah I was uh, shit faced drunk by noon. Mm -hmm. The very day I was released, and of course, you know, stipulation of my release was no alcohol, uh, you know, a bunch of other stuff. But yeah, that didn't last very long at all. And then uh, I drank every single day that I was with my daughter for a month. Uh, and you said she was living with a friend. Yeah. So they, I mean, yeah. they're kind of like this is not going well. Yeah, yeah, I was. Uh, uh, I uh, rented a room from them, that's what I did. And then uh, the room became no longer uh, available. Yeah. And I said, okay, I understand. And, uh, you know, it just came down, uh, down to it. Uh, I ended up in a homeless shelter out in, uh, <laughs> almost across the street from Wildwood. And, uh, because there was nothing uh, that I could rent, you know, and, 24 hours or whatever, and uh, but that was actually a very very humbling experience. 
but it's also uh, a faith-based place. And uh, it actually was one of the best things that happened to me in a long time. Uh, we had the, in order to stay there, you had to go to a Bible study uh, every night of the week, you know, and you had to be up at 6 a.m., uh, lights out at 10 p.m., and very structured, uh, you know, just coming out of jail, you know, it was, uh, that's what it reminded me of, uh, except, you know, that you could leave during the day. And uh, um, I ended up uh, doing, you know, pretty well there for a while, going to church and everything. Uh, I hadn't gone to church since I had lived up here. Uh, I had thought that, uh, you know, well, all the church and stuff that I had going to a Catholic school, you know, I thought, yeah, that's, that must be good for, you know, a while. Yeah. And uh, so I always had a very strong belief in God, but I uh, kind of just pushed him off to the side, you know, except obviously if somebody, you know, something bad happened to somebody or whatever, you know, I'd start praying. And, and uh, but I ended up uh, getting kicked out of there. Uh, for alcohol, believe it or not. Yeah, it seems like they frown on, you know, you coming in there and with a fifth of vodka and drinking it. And then uh, stumbling around all over the place. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was uh, I could only imagine what I looked like. Right. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I was kicked out for a week and uh, went and stayed at a hostel that I didn't even know was in Sterling. Stay there, drank the whole time I was there. I went back to that place, and uh, uh, got kicked out again for drinking, and uh, went and stayed with a couple people I'd met there in Kenai for a few days. Then I went back. Then I ran into a friend of mine, a childhood friend. We'd actually gone to kindergarten together even. I just, uh, we kind of drifted apart and uh, he picked me up uh, said, man, I'll get you out of that place. You come live with me. So I went to live in um, uh, Kasilov, south of Kasilov, off of Koholu. And a uh, beautiful view right off, right off the bluff. Um, but, uh, you know, he was working and uh, working at a... I, uh, mine, you know, it's basically like working on the slope, mm -hmm. you know, gone for a couple of weeks and back for a couple of weeks. And uh, so I just, all I did was drink, you know, it, it had just got so worse. I knew at the time that my marriage was over. Um, and uh, then I got served papers. You know, I, I just kept thinking that, you know, I can fix this somehow, you know. But all the time, you know, just drinking more and more. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, I got served uh, papers from the process server. And, uh, you know, for being sued, <coughs> being sued for a divorce from my wife. And, uh, yeah, I just went really downhill from there. Um, I, uh, I'd ended up uh, just all over the place. I left a path of destruction from Kenai to Clam Gulch. Um, 
I started, I was in all kinds of fist fights. Uh, just didn't care, you know. Uh, I used to fight a lot when I was a kid. I was scrawny, so I learned how to fight decent. But I, uh, I uh, had put most of that uh, aside, you know, for all that time. And uh, I, I just came to, it was also another release for me. And uh, I'd actually forgot how fun it was, I guess, kind of in a way. Um, yeah, in a sick way, I guess I should say. But uh, yeah, I even got in a fight right outside the Kenai Library, you know, that I picked. And I usually never picked fights. But, uh, you know, and then friends got mad at me, and I was like, man, the police department's right there, you idiot. You know, you're going to get us all busted. And uh, which I would have went straight to jail, you know, being intoxicated and fighting, and, and uh, ended up uh, ended up not that day, another day, uh, <laughs> ended up getting my leg broke on the Kenai Beach. I thought it would be fun to fight a few people, and uh, was doing okay until I never saw the guy that tackled me and just folded my right leg. And uh, so I had to go to the hospital, the ER, and then was uh, admitted. My uh, six different uh, fractures and breaks in my tibia and fibia. Uh, broke my uh, tibia plateau, which is what your knee rests on. Mm -hmm. And uh, Yikes. <laughs> yeah, so they had to do some reconstructive surgery. Uh, two of the best orthopedic surgeons they have down here. Another one flew in from Anchorage. Um, they'd actually told me that uh, the doctor, the surgeon had been doing that for 20 years and that mine was tied for the worst. Yikes. So I was like, oh, that's great. And so I had, uh, I've got two big titanium plates in it, uh, 11 screws and uh, <coughs> Uh, I was on crutches for a long, long time, and uh, for months, uh, and I was able to get around pretty good, you know. But obviously, drinking like that and stuff, I ended. Up, I was told, you know, yeah, you throw your crutches down, said you didn't need those damn crutches, and was walking around, and which I wasn't supposed to do, and falling down, you know, et cetera. And uh, you would think that would be, you know, it was a very serious break. And uh, I was told that I was lucky, you know, that, uh, you know, that I don't have to use crutches forever. Mm -hmm. And uh, so you would think that would be enough to, for somebody to say, you know, okay, you know, you've got to get your shit together. And, uh, you know, I thought that for probably, you know, an hour or two. <clears throat> and, uh, yeah, as soon as I got out of the hospital, I was off to the races again, drinking. And uh, just continued. Continued. I did nothing but drink. Uh, I knew when, what time liquor stores opened, which ones. You know, which one was the earliest, 
you know, it's pretty bad when you, you can go to a liquor store, you know, during the day and buy enough booze to think that you can make it through, you know, but I never did. You know, I'd always be right there, you know, waiting for them to open. And then I'd have to go back again uh, to another liquor store because they would deny you, uh, which I didn't, you know, wasn't used to that. And uh, so it just kept going like that, you know, and obviously the, you know, relationship with my kids, uh, my son uh, refused to talk to me uh, when I was in jail and when I was out even, and uh, actually to this very day, um, still won't talk to me at all. Uh, and my daughter, you know, had had enough of me. Uh, you know, it's just, uh, you can imagine, you know, the burden that it is, you know, and embarrassment, you know. Um, and uh, so I ended up just drinking and drinking and drinking, and then uh, on June 11th, my birthday, I was, uh, me and my friend were partying on the uh, beach, you know, uh, drive there just down from his house, drive onto the beach, and on that would be South Coho Beach, and drive up to North Coho Beach, which uh, is right at the mouth of Kasilov. And just dinking around, you know, having fun, drinking, I should say, not dinking around, but drinking around, I should mm -hmm. say, I guess. Mm -hmm. And uh, went back and forth to the house, you know, like three or four times, you know, cruising up down the beach. It was fun, beautiful day. And then um, he talked me into going to the liquor store before they closed there in Kasilov. And uh, so I drove him to the liquor store. He was denied, you know, because they could tell he'd been drinking. Uh, I went in, and which I already knew, you know, but I just went in for, for him, and no, nope. and so uh, drove back, uh, decided to, you know to take the beach back, and uh, on the way back, uh, 45 miles an hour, ran into a, a big ditch that somebody had dug, and uh, almost came to a complete stop. Of course, you know, on riding on the beach, driving on the beach and stuff, you know, it's uh, no seat belts, and uh, and uh, totaled my truck. Um, it barely made it up off the beach. I went right up somebody's driveway, and it died right at their house. Yeah. And uh, a lady came out. Uh, she was all pissed off, you know, thinking that we were just dinking around or whatever, you know, what the hell are you doing on my property? And, and her, her jaw dropped, her eyes got huge when she saw us. Uh, we were both covered in blood. Um, I, had, I had hit the steering wheel and actually bent the steering wheel like 20 degrees in my truck, hit it with my face and the windshield. Um, I, uh, I, uh, my friend uh, was, he, it had knocked him out, and he had come too when I was coming up off the beach, and uh, uh, he was still kind of bewildered, you know, by what had happened. And uh, I felt, you know, okay, I was trying to re restart it and drive home. And uh, uh, he asked for an ambulance and stuff, and the lady was right there, and I said, well, yeah, go ahead and call an ambulance. 
So naturally, a trooper shows up before that, and uh, which I had lost my crutches. I couldn't walk without it. wasn't supposed to, you know. And uh, they'd felt when we hit, I'd put them in the back of the truck. You know, there was nothing in the back of my truck anymore. And, uh, you know, it was all smashed up. <laughs> you know, just, it was uh, total. And um, he asked what had happened and stuff. And, and uh, then the ambulance came and uh, took us both. I went ahead and, and or they put me in it. Um, and we were on our way back. And halfway back to Soldana, I uh, all of a sudden my back just hurt uh, really bad. And I so I told them. So they stopped and put me on a board with a you know brace and all this other stuff. And we got to the the emergency room, wheeled us in and stuff. And I had to look at a mirror, and I was like, "Gee, my face, my face was all swollen and just blood everywhere." Uh, my friend was the same, you know. I was trying to see if I looked as bad as he did, you know. And uh, actually looked worse. Um, but, uh, yeah, we were in the, in the emergency room. Uh, we were both together in the, their trauma room, I guess it's called. And um, they took me down, had me off, like a whole body scan. And uh, sure enough, my back was uh, in really bad shape. And uh, and by now it, I knew something was wrong because it hurt like hell. And uh, my friend uh, uh, he broke his jaw and a bunch of facial bones and stuff. And uh, they ended up uh, medevacking him to Anchorage. And uh, and they admitted me to the into the uh, hospital. <clears throat> and I. Uh, um, they came and talked to me about what was wrong with my back, and I had uh, broke one of the vertebrae and uh, like a thin part on the spine. I forgot what it's called, and uh, but the vertebrae or the disc had, uh, um, like the back of it exploded, and it went into my spinal canal, and uh, I didn't realize how lucky I was um, that I didn't you know wasn't, <clears throat> wasn't going to end up paralyzed or something yeah. and um, but they ended up uh, I told them to do whatever they could do because uh, the pain, I could not manage the pain at all and uh, so I, they had a I had to wait a day and then they had a uh, I had surgery, another surgery, and um, um, I think I was in there for like a, a week this time also, the last time I was in there for like a week. In the hospital? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you're not drinking at this point? No, not. You're, <clears throat> so you're withdrawing? Yeah. And it's pretty bad. Yeah. I mean, you've been drinking heavily for yeah. quite a while now. Yeah. And yeah, people know. I mean, in the hospital, people can tell. Oh yeah, yeah. That's they, one of the first things they do is take you take your blood alcohol level, you know, and check it. And, uh, but I mean, at this point in the hospital, they are aware that you are going through some heavy. Yeah. Detox. Yep. Okay. Yeah, they gave me some kind of medicine for everything that I was in there. Mm -hmm. 
And um, also, I forgot a major, <clears throat> major thing. When I was in the uh, in the ER, uh, the two troopers came in and uh, at, with a search warrant to draw blood, and uh, which I went ahead and let them. Uh, you know. Uh, you know, I mean, they were going to get it one way or the other, mm -hmm. and uh, but the nurse was kept telling me how how, <clears throat> how happy she was, you know, that I was just allowing them to do it. And I said, yeah. And uh, one of the troopers, uh, which I didn't even recognize him at the uh, at the beach part, was the same trooper that arrested me in Sterling, mm -hmm. and. Uh, yeah, his exact words, because I said, oh, I recognize you. Yeah, and he goes, he told me, <clears throat> Sean, what the f*** are you doing? And I just looked at him and I said, and just shook my head. Uh, kind of made it sink in, you know. Mm -hmm. And, uh... Yeah, hear somebody say your name and, you know, really... That. Yeah, and he knows, you know, kind of know what else you, had happened. What are you doing? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Kind of sounds like, uh, at least maybe I'm like projecting here a little bit, but it sounds a little bit like, uh, like you're better than this was also kind of implied, or like, uh, Ex exactly, yeah, exactly, like, you know, because uh, kind of thought it was a fluke what had happened before, before, you know, when I had went to jail, um, you know, with no record and. Etc. Mm -hmm. And uh, we'd actually talked on the way in there. You know, it's a long ride from Sterling. Uh, yeah, he was a very nice trooper. But um, so I didn't think much of you know about that. And uh, but when I got out of surgery and stuff, my daughter had come to see me, and and uh, she goes, "Yeah, Dad, did you look at that paper? You know that they gave you." And I said, uh, you know, when I was down down there when I got it, you know, I said, no, I haven't looked at it. You know, I didn't read the whole thing or nothing. But uh, um, I was also being charged, which I didn't even know it, uh, with uh, assault, most likely. And uh, I forgot the exact wording on it. So I went out. Uh, I didn't think much of it. Uh, but yeah, when I was when I got released from the hospital and stuff, uh, I uh, had a wear like this uh, clamshell-looking thing, you know, on my upper torso, on the front and back, mm -hmm. and uh, it looks funny and and very awkward, and uh, so I had that and crutches walking around, you know, with a big thing on my leg, you know, it, it just. Uh, Oh, man, you would think that that would be enough also, you know, uh, for for me to quit drinking or, you know, or to get some help or whatever. And uh, once again, it wasn't. I, uh, I definitely started drinking again as soon as I was out. I immediately I was drinking heavily just, you know, one or two days, and it was, like, right back to where I left off. And, and were you, you were on crutches at this point? Again, oh, yeah, or yeah, crutches. What's your physical life like? Uh, it really sucked. Yeah. Couldn't hardly okay. do anything. 
and then to make complicate matters, you know, I'd get so smashed that I'd uh, feel like I didn't need to use my crutches. Sure, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Fall off the porch, off the deck. Yeah. I did a lot of falling, big time. And uh, yeah, it was just a mess. And my friend uh, finally had enough of it and told me, you know, man, yeah, you could, uh, I'll take you someplace, you know, but you gotta leave like now. Really? You yeah. were on Kasilov with your yeah. friend, right? Yeah. That you had he, met, yeah. Okay. Yeah, he said, uh, told me that, uh, what he said was that, you know, Sean, I, I don't want to watch you kill yourself. I don't want to watch you die. Wow. You know, he had lost another good friend to uh, uh, addiction. And, um, and I knew that guy, too, and that was sad. But, uh, so I thought, yeah, whatever. You know, and uh, I went to, uh, ended up dropping me off at the friendship mission because I couldn't even get a hold of anybody, you know, that quick or, you know, try to rent a house or a room or whatever which I'm sure that would have worked out real great, you know. <laughs> Show up, it's like, man, you can't even make walk into your doggone apartment. You know, what the heck, you want to rent it? Uh, yeah, I was in sad shape. And uh, they have a no alcohol policy. Uh, you have to go to Bible study there. Uh, I enjoyed that, going to church. Uh, but it didn't last, you know. I think I was there probably three days. And I drank. You know, I'd hide it and go upstairs uh, in my room and uh, at night. And uh, and I came home. I how I got kicked out is I showed up there from coming back from town, and I had like I said I was wearing that uh, that big clamshell looking brace, you know. And uh, yeah, I'd stuck a pint of uh, vodka in it, and uh, walk, was walking in there uh, right in front of the owners, you know, the people that run it, and it goes boink right on the floor, it was plastic, but it's like right there in front of everybody. And I'm like, oh, shoot, you know? And they said, all right, you're out of here. And so I was able to get a hold of a couple guys that I knew, and they said, yeah, you can come over and stay with us for a little bit till you figure out what you're gonna do. And uh, so they came and picked me up and uh, I just went on a uh, complete drunk. I don't even, I remember walking or walking into their place. And uh, that is, you know, just uh, very few memories. Really? Uh, yeah, I was taking taxis to go to the liquor store and stuff. I remember doing that a couple of times. But it seems like, you know, like a, just a day or two. But, you know, I was actually there for a, a while. Uh, a lot longer than that. And they were probably thinking this guy's going to Well, they, go. yeah, and naturally they both don't drink. You know, they had a vehicle, but they said, no, you have to find it your own way. Mm -hmm. You know, so I was like, yeah, sure. Uh, Alaska cab. Do, 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 do. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and, uh, but I remember, uh, I remember uh, more than one occasion I'd end up buying like two-fifths of whatever was on sale. And uh, I can, one of my memories is, I drank one fifth in uh, three drinks. Jeez. I, I had it down to uh, no longer than 10 minutes. Wow. And uh, would start on the second one. And, but eventually, what happened is it led up to me being out uh, down on a gravel road, laying face down. And, uh, you know, they, they thought I was dead. 
or something, you know, they rolled me over, I guess. I don't remember any of it, of course. And there's big mud puddles and stuff all around, you know, I was covered in gravel, you know, I mean, you name it. Stuck to my face and everything. Um, it, yeah, it was a sad event, but um, yeah, they called an ambulance. Really? Yeah. And uh, back to the hospital I went, to the ER, um, and my blood alcohol level, they don't know how long, exactly how long I was out there, but the hospital told me uh, it was, uh, I can't remember, it was 0.49, it was just like right at five, almost five, 0.5 I should say. And then, you know, they had to hook up a whole bunch of IVs to me and banana bag, they call one off on me. Uh, just a whole bunch of stuff, and I don't even remember how what time I got there. I didn't even know how I got there, uh, uh, but I know when I woke up, um, they. Uh, I just kind of have vague memories of it, and uh, I remember the doctor coming over and a nurse, and uh, just having a little talk with me, because of how many times I've been in there. You know, and of course I've had alcohol in my system every single time. And a lot of it. Yeah, and, yeah, and yeah a lot. Not like, yeah. yeah, it's not like a couple of drinks. Right, right. And uh, they told me they were afraid, you know, the next time I'd come in, they'd be pulling the sheet over my head. Right. You know, or, you know, uh, I'd hurt myself so bad that I wouldn't be able to walk again. Mm -hmm. And uh, and I was, I at that point, I just was, uh, I knew myself that if I didn't do something right then about it, that I would be dead. There's not, still is not a doubt in my mind. I, I would have died under doing something under the influence. Yeah, in the next home. week, two, three weeks. Yeah, ago. I wouldn't have given I mean, myself. Soon, I stretched it out to like a month. Mm -hmm. But you know what? <laughs> I think I'd be pretty lucky if I made it seven more days. You know? mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, just the way I can act on it and stuff, you know, uh, you know, could be shot and killed by the troopers, could be, uh, you know, somehow, you know, get a hold of a car and crash into somebody or something, you know. It just was a complete chaotic mess. And uh, that's just some of those people who used to say, it's, oh, it's Sean, Sean and his shit show. And uh, it definitely was. Um, so I told them, I said, yeah, uh, yes, I, uh, they asked me, you know, would you like help? You know, we really think you could really use it. And I said, yeah. I and said, this is a nurse? Yeah, and a doctor. Both. And a doctor, yeah. Yeah, they took the, you know, ER doctors are really busy, you know. Sure. They took the time and, uh, to go over some stuff with me, and I said, yes, I very much, I said, I, I can't quit. And, uh. And I agree that you know it probably be pulling a sheet over. And up head. until up until this point, were there a whole lot of instances of you? And I mean, like the like a couple months prior to the event that we're discussing, uh, were there a lot of times where you're like, I can't quit. I'm gonna go to jail or die soon. Like, was this an epiphany, or was it a kind or a mixture, kind of uh, like? okay, now I feel the same way I did a week ago. Now there's just kind of help in front of me. Like, had you been feeling kind of like this, I need help feeling 
before, but this time there was just like it was available and it was accessible. Um, I guess were you really at more at rock bottom and yes. more than you were a week before? Oh yes, most okay. definitely. Okay. Uh, you know, I thought I really wasn't. I knew that I couldn't quit, but I wasn't done. I guess is the best way to say it. And for the first time, and it seems to have been a while, you're probably at least more sober than you've been in a long time. Oh, yeah. They're talking to you. Yeah, most yeah. definitely, you know. I can't remember this long of a period, you know, since junior high school. Um, and that makes, you know, boggles my mind, you know. Mm -hmm. Just to think about it, it's a long time. And I never was had any DUIs, you know, never had any arrests. Perfect driving record. And uh, as I say in some of the meetings, uh, they had a big yet when people would walk in and say, I've never been arrested, you know, no DUIs. And I say, yet. <laughs> and, uh, sure. But yeah, everything hit within a year. And, um, but yeah, I told them there was, I still don't even know who it was. There was a representative from Serenity House showed okay. up. Okay. And, um, and kind of filled me in, you know, and, uh, I vaguely remember any any of it, um, but they said uh, some. They said so. You had said like, yeah, I'll take some help, and so then the ER doc and nurse probably brought somebody over from Serenity House, yes, or yeah. somebody was there. Yeah, they okay. Made a phone call. Okay. And um, so uh, I'm not sure. I I think I was. I'm sure I was probably in the hospital for at least 24 hours or something. I don't even know to be honest. Uh, but I do know. Uh, uh, they told me that uh, they had a new uh, detox center. It's called Care Transitions. And they said that they would make it, you know, uh, a, a lot better way to, to detox than just doing it at, by yourself at home or something. Mm -hmm. And at my level, you know, there, there was... You a, risk death at exactly. your level. Yeah, it's, yeah it's, at that point. It's one of the only... Uh, I, I actually consider alcohol a drug. It's one right, of the yeah. only drugs like that, that doing that, uh, you can die from. Yeah, you know? I think, I mean, I'm not an expert in this, but uh, I think like benzodiazepines and um, alcohol are yeah. two of the most risky uh, to yep. be fatal exactly. in the withdrawal process. And um, so I went over there, and uh, I spent uh, seven days in there. Um I just remember fragments of it, and uh, but I the one so thing seven that I days did, over in the detox. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, and that's uh, that is like such a blessing to this community too, you know, because if you were to, it's my opinion, and I think I think if you were to look like if there if we were to look in like a bunch of you know, research as well. I think you may find evidence of this. I'm not sure, but I mean, that's a critical period. The first that detox, you know, um, a lot of, you know, that detox is painful. It's long. You, I'm sure you're yeah, very much aware, is. you know, it's, it's painful. It's long. It's even if you don't want to drink or you don't want to use opioids, you don't want to use these other drugs like, like cognitively, you know, you're aware that you don't want to. Yes. When that pain is so intense, it becomes 
even harder. So having a, like a safe, secure place with medical professionals around. Yeah. That's I mean, exactly that's a right. crucial step. And I mean, you get somebody through that first week, they're able to see a little more clear, a little clear, yeah. more clear, you know, it's just, it's such a blessing in this community. And I don't think there's, I don't think there's a ton of detox beds in the state of Alaska, no, you know, not. and from what I understand is, especially like in rural, people in rural Alaska, and but really all around Alaska, you know, we're in this in, an addiction crisis, an opioid epidemic, but really an addiction crisis. Mm -hmm. And people say, oh, I need help. And they say, okay, well, we can get you into detox in six weeks or two months. That's not how addiction really <clears throat> functions. Yeah. Or people in addiction. Like, okay, yep, yeah, um, let's just set the appointment for two months from now. Okay, Tuesday at 10, I'll be there. The yeah. chance of that person being there in two months, Tuesday at 10 a.m., ready to change their life, is probably not very high. You know, no, probably not a lot of high, not high chances. Uh, so, yeah, I just think that's, you know, here in, in Soldatna, you know, that you can have access to a detox center. And I don't know, like, the wait list at this point, but that it's available and that it's, you know, possible to get in. It's just such a blessing. And I think people really, uh, who are looking to, cause I think people and you can, you, you probably, a question for you, I guess, um, people that you've met that are in recovery, some people that I've met, they really feared the withdrawal process. Like yeah. that was a large fear, like getting clean, like living a sober life caused fear, mm -hmm. but that withdrawal process was especially yes, fear-producing, right? It is. It's, yeah, you're exactly right. It, uh, and um, to have that, you know, I mean, if you're doing something like that, trying to at your house or something, you know, right. it just, uh, you know, it doesn't, uh, you're faced with the need, you know, it's like, man, I feel, you know, I mean, even your body's probably telling you, hey, uh, you're going to die. Yeah. Yeah. And you're mm -hmm. like, I, I better do this or I'm going to die. So I mean, you have, a, you have a, if you are suffering from addiction, I mean, you're already having like a neurological basically disease, right? That's yes. like, I need this, I need this, I need this. And then your physical body is like, oh my gosh, I'm in pain. Like as just a, as an organism, you got a lot of things working against you right now. Yeah, exactly. I mean, your body wants to, like, evolutionary-wise, like, we do not like pain. Like, we do not, we do not have to learn to dislike pain. Like, yeah. pain is a, <laughs> pain teaches quick, and you do not need to, like, like, learn, like, oh, like, I mean, we learn to dislike being grounded, you know? We learn to dislike certain things. Yeah. Pain, you, do, you don't have to really learn that. You just, I mean, that'll teach you, you know? Yeah, um, exactly. So yeah, I mean you're in that early stage and you're you got this neurological thing where it's like okay, I need I need this, I need this, I need this and then your body is like I need to get out of pain like yeah, that's you know that's, you've got some odds stacked against you. That's what would have happened to me, you know, if I would they would have released me from that uh, ER, you know, right onto the street again. You know, my would have made it to the nearest liquor store. Mhm. Mm mm -hmm. Yeah. It just uh yeah, your body, uh, you know, you feel so awful, horrible, sick, you know, shaking, and you know what will f get rid of that. Yeah. So it's like a combination of kind of being at your breaking point, but also having support at the right time, like Eric was saying, that if you put it out, 
it's probably not going to happen because, you know, there's just some points. I don't know if you had any points like that earlier, but you were just like, this has to stop. Otherwise, you know, it's only going to go downhill and probably fast. But if you don't have someone willing to help you at that point, like that thought might pass and you're like, well, who really cares? You know, I guess yeah. it doesn't really matter. Yeah, and then I think you just you make a good point. Mm-hmm. You know, like, one, the person has to be somewhat receptive. And two, right. there has to be the services. Right. If there's services and the people aren't receptive, doesn't really matter. No. no. If the people are receptive and there's no services, it doesn't really matter either. You know, it's the combination of the two. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, that's what I told them when I was in the ER there. I, I told them, yeah, you know, I, I'm done. Yeah, you were receptive. I'm done. I'm ready. Uh, you know, I, I'm just ready. You know, I don't want to do it anymore. Is it just because you felt, like, so close to death? And, you know, you you said yes. that a mutual friend of yes. yours and the other guy had died. He said, I think you're going to die. Then doctors say you're actually going to die, like, in probably pretty recently. And you're just like, oh, my gosh, like, death is literally right around the corner. It's either a change or there's nothing else. Yes. Um, I've seen, I've, you know, you hang out with, you know, you think it's the party crowd and friends and, you know, you have fun and it just progresses, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've actually lost two two friends uh, uh, to being shot by the state troopers, mm-hmm. and um, sure. and I've lost a couple of friends also from suicide. Yeah. And in every single one of them, they were highly intoxicated. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it's just a mess, you know. Mm. But uh, and I to- I told them. Uh, uh, you know, they gave me an interview type thing, um, and I said, uh, I, outpatient, I don't care how intensive it is, I said, it, it ain't going to work for me. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll get out of a meeting and I'll go straight to a liquor store, or I'll show up drunk, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, I said, uh, I've never been to any uh, rehabilitation, you know, center, treatment houses, anything. Uh, but I know that's what it's going to take outside of, you know, getting a Connex or something and throwing me in it with a five-gallon bucket of water and lock, padlocking it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, yeah. You know. Dude, there's this really <laughs> inappropriate, just dirty show, man, that's on Showtime. And I won't say what it is, uh, but there's this guy. Uh, he, uh, there's this kid, he's like 17 or something, and he's like gonna be in the military and stuff. And he catches, like, I forget exactly, but some somebody's like steal, stealing from his neighbor or stealing from him or something. So he sets a trap because he's like, I'm in the military. So he sets a <laughs> trap or something, catches this guy, locks him up in his basement with like a bucket of water <laughs> and some food, locks him up because he's he's uh, he's an addict in this show, not the guy that locks the person up mm-hmm. but the guy that he locks up yeah. and he's an addict so he locks him up and he's like and he keeps him there and the and he detoxes him in his basement just like <laughs> that dude handcuffs him well then what happens in like five days in five days he gets him all cleaned up locks him up and so then what happens the guy that was locked up comes back and he goes hey man you know 
I've tried to, you know, I've tried to get sober for years. I've tried to get clean. You cleaned me up in five days. And he goes, he goes, here's yeah. five grand for you to for you to capture my friends and lock yeah. them up. Oh my God. So when you said that, like, unless I'm locked up in a comic, so unless you would have gotten subjected to this guy's, yeah. yeah anyway, I've that, that reminded me. It's funny. I've never seen that show. Yeah, yeah. That's the reality of it. Right. Thing. I mean, I was that bad. At it. Yeah. Um, and you know what? They probably should have put a big, you know, electric fence around it too, because I don't know how, you know, but I would probably find a way to get out of it. Mm -hmm. right. you know? yeah. <laughs> it's like, how did he scratch himself through that steel? Like, what? <laughs> right. Right. Determination. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so during this point, did you kind of think that you could still quit if you really tried? I mean, before that. No. Before, but you you were just like, it's kind of hopeless. But yeah, it, mm -hmm. I, I knew that I couldn't, you know. Mm -hmm. I tried to even just to uh, not drink as much, you know. Right, yeah. right. Mm -hmm. Oh, and, man, that's... Uh, just drink, you just go to beer or something. Yeah. Just drink beer. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah we've heard that kind of stuff. Well, I'd just drink the 12-pack and I'd go right back to the liquor store, buy another 12-pack and yeah. a fifth of whiskey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just knocking a block. Yeah, we hear that, you know, <laughs> yes. a lot where it's like, I'm just, you know, I'm going to manage it by this. You know, people are like, we've had a lot of people who, like, you know, heroin addiction or methamphetamine or whatever, and it's like, oh, well, I'll just drink beer, like talking about like what substances they can or cannot you know yeah i'll just drink beer or like even like oh i'll just like i'll just smoke bud like but mm -hmm. just buds and then it's like oh well i'll just do dabs and then it's like oh well i'll just <laughs> drink beer and do dabs and then it's like well i'll just drink liquor and do crack like, <laughs> okay i'm <laughs> back i'm <laughs> back you know so yeah exactly. it's just uh <laughs> It's a slippery slope. It's, yeah, that's a good word for it, man. Yeah. It gets real slippery real quick. I wonder if that does work for anybody trying to do moderation. You know, actually, like, what was interesting once was like how you said, you know how they said, I don't have a DUI, and you're like, well, yet. You know, as long as, yeah. like, if you relapse and you're still drinking and driving, you don't have a DUI, well, yet, you know? Yeah. It was... Uh, this person, I think it was Jen Waller over at Freedom House, I think. When I talked to her, she said that when she's heard of people saying things, I think it was her, but I'm not sure. Anyway, it was like when I hear people saying like, oh, well, they have this or that addiction. You know, well, I'm just going to drink beer. And she says, for now. Yeah. For now. <laughs> yeah. That'll work for now, you know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so same thing. Hm. Yeah, they have a, it's called a marijuana maintenance. It's yeah. The, lingo going around really yeah you know and people think that they can just do that you know yeah until they get you know so high it's like man how did i get a hold of the heroin again or right meth? right mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and or alcohol yes mm -hmm. uh, and i mean i'm sure you know coburn i bet i bet there's a few people out there who were like suffering from some hardcore addiction that somehow pull off having something here and there but i mean that is an that is what i understand is pretty dang rare yeah yeah that is pretty dang rare and not recommended it yeah. seems like it require more willpower to stop yourself i mean cold turkey sucks i'm sure but see though that's the thing like that's the thing is that it's not a willpower thing you know it's not no. a willpower it's not like a, uh, you know like the disease of addiction like strips like your ability to make that choice away you know yeah like it's like it doesn't matter if you have like the most willpower in the world like the disease of addiction exists outside of that you know mm. yeah yeah it exists in a very like 
in a very concrete place in your, not concrete, but a very functional concrete lock and key place in your brain where you neurologically, like in the all sense of you, absolutely need it. Mm -hmm. you know yeah. To mm -hmm. at the end of the extent, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I that's... feel like that's why it's such a slippery slope is because, you know, you, you get that lock and key again and it's just that perfect fit. It's like that. Yeah, and I'm not an expert in the brain, but I think the 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 drugs really hijack a reward circuit in your brain really quickly, and that if you're suffering from addiction, especially, that that whole, you get a whole kind of just hijacked brain, where you are just any ability like the brain starts to associate drugs with things like food and water and reproduction. It's like I need this in essence to survive, you know, not just yeah. like to be a little bit happier today. It's like in order to survive. And really we're geared, you know, in like all that we are to learn to survive. And like the addicted brain just says like, well, I'm geared to survive and I understand that I need these drugs or alcohol, which I would also consider, you know, a drug, Yeah. you know, to survive. It's like you said, you know, you felt like you could have scratched through steel if you needed to, to get it. Right. Yeah, exactly. You know, as much as that willpower exists to not, or exists or doesn't exist to not, I mean, it's just as much to do, you know what I mean? Sure. To talk about the, the willpower of something, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, yeah it is that powerful. Yeah. And, yeah, uh, yeah I, I've, over the years, had several people uh, tell me, you know, or ask me, you know, um, Sean, why don't you just quit? Right. You know, just, you have to have a little bit of willpower. And, you know, yeah. And, uh and then, you know, come to find out, I, you know, learned a lot more about uh, the disease. And mm -hmm. uh, people that don't have it just don't understand it. Right. Know? They just do not understand mm -hmm. how powerful it is. Yeah. Well, and even if you do have it, maybe you feel like, oh, I just don't have enough willpower. And then, then you feel weak and, like, that's not going to help you. But understanding that it's a, actually how it functions, I think, probably really helps. Yes, it does. And... Uh, and that detox facility, uh, the staff there was so very friendly and kind. Mm -hmm. um, and they do put up with a lot of, some people get violent and, mm -hmm. and just, you know, do nothing but complain. But they're sick and they know. It takes a special type of person to work there. Mm. Um, uh, I am so grateful for that place. Uh, and and uh, it's all... Uh, overseen by doctors and nurses and stuff. So, uh, uh, yeah, I was given some kind of a, a benzodiazepine. I'm sh uh, I just don't remember what it was. Right, right. Uh, so it didn't go into convulsions and stuff. Yeah. And, uh, mm -hmm. and then I was given also for my pain, because I was in a lot of physical pain, and uh, they uh, uh, gave me some kind of non-narcotic, um, I think it was called Toradol shots, <laughs> and uh, it helped. Uh, yeah. But you know, I mean, I saw the reasoning. You know, I was like, yeah, well, we don't want to be giving you a bunch of Percocet. You know? Right, right, <laughs> right. And uh, but I made it out of there and uh, went straight from there over to uh, the uh, in-house treatment. Serenity. That's Serenity. House. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And. Uh, beautiful place um, uh, and I, I had no idea what uh, was going to happen or go on I didn't have a clue 
uh, <laughs> just to you know just tell you how um, ignorant I was of the fact uh, I thought you know that I was going to go there and they're going to teach me some special little technique and uh, you know say here you got to take this pill this pill and that pill and then uh, you'll be cured. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, That'd be nice. Uh, yeah, yeah. I don't know what I was. You know, I had no idea. Mm -hmm. but, That'd be simple. <laughs> yeah, I was in for a, a little ride there. It was uh, very nice. Um, uh, so I imagine you were mixed with, uh, and I'm not sure, just had a mixture of feelings. You know, fear, mm -hmm. uh, hope, a little bit of hope, a little yeah. bit of fear, maybe a little bit of second guessing. Like, yeah. Wanting to still wanting to drink or still thinking maybe you had a maybe you could figure out how to how to pull it off you know yeah I what was, were you thinking this so I'm thinking like the first couple weeks uh, you know being sober what are your or are you really even having any a whole lot of clear thoughts like what's going not on there a, not a lot of clear thoughts sure, sure. I actually was um, in a fog when I went there for at least two weeks um, just uh, I don't even remember a lot of things um, I just uh, as they say there uh, I was there but not there sure mm -hmm. you know it's like I was lost in my subconscious mind or something mm -hmm. just on autopilot mm -hmm. and uh, but you know I was showing up for everything and uh, just tr trying to soak it all in you know but but like I said I was just was there but not there and uh, then it kind of, you know, the fog lifted a little bit after a couple of weeks. And uh, I remember even one of the counselors told me there, it's like, man, I can just see in your eyes you're feeling a lot better, huh? Mm -hmm. You look like you're actually present now. And I said, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, so this was about seven months ago, right? Yeah. Because we're getting, okay, so we're getting into like the here and now. Yeah. Yeah, so this was just about six, seven months ago. Yep. Okay. Exactly. And uh, I, uh, um, was feeling better, you know, uh, able to understand a little more and uh, I guess participate more in group and stuff and uh, I just was very surprised, you know, of, it's about finding out a lot about yourself. And uh, one of the first things, you know, with, that you find out being an addict, uh, you know, alcoholic, whatever you want to be or call it, um, is that how selfish we are. Um, and I thought, man, yeah, that's the last thing I've ever thought of myself is being selfish. And then uh, they explained it, you know. And I started thinking, and I was like, man, you know, I always did put alcohol first. Willing to go any place with the kids, you know, go camping, go to, you know, football games, whatever. And uh, as long as, you know, I went to a liquor store first. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I always put uh, alcohol first. And I'd never thought of it that way. And uh, also learned while I was in there, we do an extended timeline, uh, a very honest one, right down to whatever detail it is. And uh, I didn't even have to be told, you know, it's on a huge, like, newspaper rolls, you know, that you can do them on. Uh, I just uh, automatically, uh, when I was done with it, stood back and was looking at it before I presented it. 
I uh, could definitely see a pattern uh, just with uh, things going wrong in family life. It was just a automatic go to that. And uh, um, it's just, uh, it was the start of me becoming a lot better version of myself. Um, who I, you know, kind of started out to be, you know, in life. I was very, had a lot of compassion, you know, empathetic. But, you know, in your addiction, you, you lose most of that, you know. All your values go out the window, you know, especially when it progresses towards the end. It's, you know, I didn't have any values. I didn't even value my life, you know. I didn't right. care if I died, you know. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, well, you know. And... Um, yeah, they really teach you a lot of stuff there. And uh, self-reflection was what really started the process. You think of yeah, looking back, you're like, what do I want this timeline to me mean? Like, where do I want this to lead to? Did that kind of spark? Yeah, yeah, it sure did. You know, and I looked at the last year and a half, and it was just, uh, just a chaotic mess. Mm. I mean, it it, uh, it really is. It's. I can laugh now about it a little bit, you know, but but it really, it's a very sad place to be. Mm. Or I should say a very, you know, sad, but it's a very dark place to be. Mm -hmm. yeah. And uh, and the, I have been isolating myself. Even though I hang out with, you know, a friend or something, but, you know, I'd go off and do my own thing, you know, or, mm. you know, go in a bedroom, you know, it's like, yeah, me and my bottle of this or, you know, a few pills of that and, you know, it's like whatever, you know, mm -hmm. whatever's there. Yeah. And, uh, but they teach you some, uh, uh, techniques and stuff, uh, a, a lot of things, you know. Um, what were some of the things that you learned uh, kind of early on that maybe have stuck with you? Um, it, or that were, uh, kind of impactful? Uh, being, uh, taught to, uh, they say, you know, play the tape forward or play the tape back, you know. Uh, so, I, you know, stopping, for, you know, if you get a big urge to do whatever kind of drug you want to do, is to stop before you do it. Mm -hmm. And because there's some really strong urges, you know, to, to just go do that. But uh, stop and look, you know, what, what is going to be the result of you doing this? You know, and for the majority of us in there that actually want to quit, you're going to know exactly what's, you know, you're not lying to yourself. Mm -hmm. You know, I'll be right back, you know, and then be dead. Um, because they, you know, as they say, it's happened over and over and over again. Uh, people that get out and go back to using, they think, oh, I'll just use a little bit. And within a week, you know, they're sitting in the hospital, you know, people praying by their side, you know, because they've overdosed mm -hmm. on whatever it is, you know, heroin, meth. Uh, alcohol, mm -hmm. you know, a mixture of all three. Right. It, you know, it just, it just is really, uh, it's actually really sad, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and the uh, stigma attached, you know, it, it's actually lessening here on the peninsula. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's, it's actually lessening quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, the recovery community here yeah. is very strong. And I've, uh, there's people from the bush, you know, that I was in house with. There's people uh, from Anchorage. 
Uh, there's actually quite a few people from Anchorage area that come down here, and then they end up staying down here because of the recovery community. They say it's nothing like Anchorage, you know. Wow. Even though Anchorage is bigger, you know, it's it's not not up to par with it how they're doing it down here. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, even people I've heard some really good stories of people uh, finding places of employment, telling them their whole history, you know. And the people being accepting, you know, and say, well, yeah, if you, we'll hire you, you know, if you get an urge to do that, you know, let us know and we will try to help you too, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, so it's actually very comforting to see people being understanding, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, I never in a million years would have thought uh, that, uh, you know, heroin would be a problem here on the peninsula. Um, and, uh, and alcohol has been around for a long time, and it's easy to get, and uh, it just, uh, it's just a sad that there's a lot of people out there still uh, in a bad place. Mm -hmm. And the amount of homeless, you know, because I was running around, the crowds I ran around with, I wasn't, you know, I'd see people walking here and there, heard about the, you know, it's an epidemic, you know, and. But I tell you, when you're out there amongst those people, you know, uh, people like me, I should say, um, it's just, uh, I had no idea how many people were living out in the woods and, and, uh, and how many people were actually uh, addicted. Um, it's uh, it's uh, very sad, you know. Uh, I was trying to think of, you know, ways that we could... Uh, get some more people help um, but you know you have to be willing and you have to want to be done with it mm -hmm. um, and, uh, so what were your uh, what were kind of your expectations because you're about seven months sober what is life like today or what was life like maybe like four months on compared to your expectations because they're not all the same, right? How you expect sobriety to be versus how it's kind of turning out to be. Yeah, exactly. Like what are some of the... Um, I. Uh, did you expect it to be like more fun? Did you expect it to be easier? Did you expect it to be faster moving? You know what I'm asking? Um, I, I thought that it, uh, I was in Serenity House uh, for just about two months. Oh, wow. That's and quite a while. Yeah, I, yeah, I was... I'd had a... A lot of problems. Oh, I got my I got divorced while I was in Serenity House. Okay, and that was hard. Yeah, I just you know things just kept stacking up, mm -hmm. and uh, um, but I went from there over to uh, a uh, Diamond Willow, which is uh, part of the Serenity program. It is a sober living uh, facility that we live in. And, uh, you know, with a curfew, uh, random tests, and, uh, you know, so you're held accountable. Mm -hmm. I didn't have to go there, you know, I also chose to go there. And um, just because, you know, I was thinking to myself, and even with the counselor, you know, just kind of getting into this, just got a big divorce, single, you know, what are you going to live in an apartment by yourself? I mean, I knew what. Was yeah. a good chance of Play happening. Play that tape forward. Exactly. Mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. And so I went there, and uh, it was about 
it took me about 90 days into it, about three month time period. And I finally got uh, a big aha moment. Um, I just, uh, just the way I was, you know, with the urges and whatnot, um, I was involved in, or I am involved in a, uh, a, uh, a 12 step program. And uh, it was just really nice to see that there's people that are just like me. You know, I, I'd look at people, you know, just looking at them in, throughout the meetings, and I think, you know, golly, that, you know, he, you know, nobody doesn't seem like they're like me in here, you know. Mm -hmm. But if you keep going and then you hear people talking, it's like, man, this person's wearing a, you know, like a suit or something. And, I was like, man, you thought, you know, you got so mad you could have, you know, shot a couple people or, you know, or just really, you know, what you wouldn't expect, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, and just their uh, issues that they deal with. Mm -hmm. And uh, and it's a place where you can go there and uh, it kind of rejuvenates you, you know, to, to stay sober. Mm -hmm. It doesn't kind of, it actually does. Um, and, uh, and you can see people... Uh, you know, that it works. You see people that, with, you know, 30 years of sobriety. And they still uh, go to the meetings. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's not always fun and games. It's not easy. Um, this has been the hardest thing I've ever had to do in my entire life. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but it, it really is worth it. As the, as it progresses uh, on a month-to-month -month basis, um, Right about the six-month period, I just uh, I started putting all these uh, things that I was taught into action, um, positive thinking, um, even no matter what situation you're dealing with, just find something, you know, even if it's small, and focus on that because I found out, you know, what I usually focused on was negative things. And, you know, even if it's a really big positive thing, you can still find something negative about it. Mm. So I've, it's, they've taught me to change my whole thinking process. And uh, it was uh, during this time, you know, a little over a month, month and a half ago, that I just have started feeling just so, so at peace, moments mm. of peace that actually last all day or for a few days, you know, it just... Uh, is amazing. I never thought I would feel that way. I don't know if I ever have felt this way. Mm -hmm. And um, the uh, relaxation, you know, techniques and stuff, so, you know, you can kind of get out of your head, you know, and fall asleep, you know, with no sleep aids. Um, it, it actually is just, it's a very nice place to be and my attitude towards people, you know, I didn't realize I was so judgmental. And so uh, you just start really working on your your core self, mm. your beliefs, you know. Um, I found out, you know, that my my beliefs uh, related to marriage, relating to marriage, were right out of like the 1950s. Mm. And uh, so I placed a lot of I took responsibility for a lot of burden that, you know, was kind of a little bit 
unrealistic, you know. I'm not saying that there aren't people that can uh, uh, be married that way. But in today's, you know, 2019, you know, it just doesn't work, you know, for a lot of people. And, uh, you know, expectations, you know. And then, of course, you know, add uh, alcohol addiction to it. And it's like, yeah, I don't think that's going to work. Yeah. So with, I mean, alcohol is kind of just everywhere. I mean, it's at stores and stuff. So I guess seeing that all the time, how how do you deal with that? Or how do they tell you with, like, there's a bar, you know, you just drive anywhere and there's a bar along the way, probably. So how do they, uh, how do you kind of deal with that? Um, yeah, it's, it is everywhere. Um, you can kind of judge the size of Alaskan towns by how many uh, bars there are in it, you know. Um, might not be no place to stay, but you know, <laughs> well, we've got three liquor stores and two bars. Mm. Um, yeah, it is everywhere. Um, it's kind of an individual type of thing. There are people that can't ever set foot, you know, like even in a parking lot that has a liquor store. Mm. Um, and I, I did, uh, I tested myself a little bit, but just my thinking, you know, uh, I know that it's everywhere and, th- mm-hmm. and they t- tell you that too. And, yeah. yeah. And, uh, I, uh, I was able to go in and, uh, uh, in, you know, into a, a little, uh, gas station type store that sells liquor on one side and, uh, soda pop snacks and stuff on the other. And it didn't really bother me, you know. I I did stare across the counter, looking over there, and I was like, "Yeah, I don't really miss you right now." That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad to not be there. Kind yeah, of thing. exactly. And that's actually what I was thinking, you know. Is uh, I know exactly where that's at. It's like, yeah, I would be there at 8 a.m. when they open, uh, sometime, you know, four or five ish, and then you know. Possibly, you know, before they close at, you know, 2 a.m. or whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just kind of see it and it just kind of uh, kind of disgusts me, you know, is yeah. how I feel. Not towards people, you know, no, if, no. if they can, you know, do what they're doing. But right, right. Just, uh, just because of how it makes me feel yeah, and what it makes my actions that uh, it has an effect on. Mm-hmm. And I was able to uh, go through every single event in my life that I thought was bad. And guess what was there with them? Uh, everything bad, little bad things, big bad things. Uh, alcohol was in my system. Mm-hmm. And uh, and yeah, I, I was I was kind of I was not kind of worried. I was worried about going fishing again. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, going camping, uh, even just being at home somewhere, you know, with the little campfire out back. Because mm-hmm. I used to do that all the time. And, you know, yeah, alcohol was always with me. Yeah. Uh, but they uh, they even take you to places that were, you know, like we went to the beach in Kenai and had a big bonfire. And there was, uh, you know, obviously no alcohol, no drugs. And uh, it was actually very fun. I was surprised. Although I was looking. I was looking, where's the ice? You know, somebody probably has an ice chest here. I wasn't looking to drink for me, but it right. just felt very odd for me. Yeah. You know, and it 
And uh, it's like, yeah, but there was no little group off the side, you know, smoking weed and no fights. Uh, mm. It just was very enjoyable. It's like kind of an eye opener. You're like, I didn't know it could be fun. Exactly. Kind of, were you afraid? I was afraid. Life? I was yeah. afraid that it would not be fun. That you just wouldn't be able to enjoy the things you used to enjoy because exactly. that was such a big part of your life. Exactly. Like, maybe that was why it was fun. It's like, well, actually, no, but it kind of felt <laughs> like that. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just That's the awesome. association, you know. Um, yeah. And I'm sure, you know, when I was younger, you know, it was fun, but it, everything progresses. Mm, yeah. And it's just a dark place, man. Mm. And I, had, I, I was actually deeply depressed also. Yeah. Uh, they diagnosed that, which I already knew. Right. I mean, I told him, yeah, yeah, I agree with all that. Mm-hmm. And then the final, you know, the divorce was finalized, and it just uh, took me a little while. And uh, but I feel, and I went through all that. I told him, you know, I didn't want to take any antidepressants. Hmm. Uh, I'd actually taken them before all this stuff had started for a little while, and they just had a really weird effect on me, yeah. even at the lowest doses. Huh. Uh, but yeah, they stuck with me. Uh, they have a fantastic group of counselors, mm. um, and uh, all kinds of different ways to get to people. You know, to to show you, you know, what you can do. Mm. And um, have you been able to reconnect with friends or family? Yes, I have. Uh, uh, matter of fact, that's a good point you bring up. I found out. Uh, that uh, I had disconnected from everything, Hmm. every single thing from uh, spiritually, you know, religiously, family, Hmm. friends. um, Basically any sense of real belonging. Exactly. Connection. Disconnected, yeah. Yep, Hmm. I was very much disconnected, and I have since become reconnected. Um, Has that at times been challenging, though? I mean, it sounds, and it is, great, but it's not, as as another guy said, all these good things that come along are not all sunshine and rainbows. It's hard, right? And sometimes yeah, it's harder than you think. Oh, it, it is very hard. I mean, there's yeah. got to be some difficulties in forging those relationships thing, again, right? Yeah, the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. I'm sure some and people were resistant. Uh, yeah. Where some um, people kind of think, oh, here, here's Sean, you know. I mean, I guess he's going to, he thinks he's going to quit drinking. You know, I mean, do yeah. you run into that kind of thing? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it gets better, though, the more sobriety sure. that I have. Getting but, some trust or some kind yeah, of. Yeah, my, my daughter, uh, I mean, I, you know, my whole family uh, was like, you know, didn't know where I was at most of the time and what I was doing. You know, they were concerned for sure. And, uh, but I had no idea, you know, once again, that was the alcoholic, you know, selfish, wasn't even a thought what they were going through, just watching me self-destruct. And, uh, my daughter, uh, finally came around after I, she actually participated in family day at Serenity House a few times. Mm -hmm. And, uh. What was that like? Hard? Um. It, it was, but it uh, immediately got really, really a lot better. Sure. Um, uh, she came to see that I was actually, you know, getting help, 
uh, obviously I wasn't intoxicated. Yeah. And uh, she was a very, and still is, she's a very strong supporter of me. Mm -hmm. uh, she's 22. And uh, yeah, Caitlin, you know, was my first child. And she, um, she is just such a major support uh, for me. And she's even been here to the main office, you know, in her outpatient program, uh, having a, a couple of counselor meetings, you know, in the back with her in them too. Mm -hmm. And um, hmm. that is, uh, that was immensely uh, eye-opening for me. Mm. Um, I, uh, you know, I have a counselor named Brett, my primary, primary counselor. Yeah, we, we did a, Brett did a story. Uh, yeah, he told me that. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you can listen to his yeah. on uh, the You and I for the Kenai page. So Spotify, Google Play, Apple. Yeah. yeah. His story's there. Brett. Yeah, his title is something like, because he made a good point. I think you probably resonate with this, like, at times at least. Uh, he said, everywhere I went, I followed or something like that. Like, everywhere I went, I was right there with me, you know? Like, yeah. he, like he was going to run away from his problems, but, like, yeah. he was... <laughs> he was the problem, you know. Yep, that's exactly and right. So yeah, that was an interesting, that was a cool <laughs> point that we kind of that was I don't know emerged or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, that was when I learned uh, how uh, deeply hurt my daughter was, uh, mm -hmm. uh, or I should hurt, but uh, really extremely scared and having anxiety all caused from me. Mm -hmm. major anxiety um, but he asked her you know so what did you think about your dad you know when he was out doing all this stuff and uh, she instantly started crying mm -hmm. uh, and uh, which brought tears to my eyes mm -hmm. and she t said I was afraid he was gonna die you know I was gonna get a call from the hospital and this time, you know, instead of breaking whatever part of his body into a mess, dead. That, he, that he's dead. Yeah. Or, you know, him. You know, I bet, I don't want to necessarily assume, but I would bet that she kind of held your funeral in her own head a while ago. You know? Yeah. I, I mean, it was kind of just accepted. I mean, maybe it wasn't so formal, like... I'm going to sit down and accept that my dad's pretty well dead. But I I would imagine that she, to some extent, had to have started to come to grips to that. Like, my my dad pretty well is gone at this point. And so... Yeah, she was on my emergency contact list. Uh, it's the only person, you know, that I could put on there. Mm -hmm. And... Um, yeah, so, you know, and she said, yeah, she'd get a call from the hospital, and and uh, my daughter is actually affiliated with the hospital. Um, and she was, she said, you know, sometimes work would call her, and she'd be thinking, oh, my gosh, you know, what's, what's going to happen now? Mm. You know, because the phone numbers, you know. <laughs> and, um, <clears throat> yeah, so that was... Uh, I don't know. I had never really thought about that that much, you know. I thought they just, uh, I didn't know if that, you know, I guess, for lack of a better word, because I didn't care at all about myself. I just kind of figured that, you know, probably everybody else didn't that much, you know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And I was totally wrong with that. But yeah, she has been, uh, she's even, uh, she has, as she goes to Caribou Hills a lot, and she does a lot of things I used to do and want to get back into. Hmm. Um, fishing, kayaking, um, hiking, a lot of hiking. Um, but her age, you know, 22, and uh, she uh, made a little pact with herself, and I, it was, uh, I didn't even find out about it, you know, till like three months ago or something. But when I had went into Serenity House and she had participated, she told herself that, and she didn't drink that much. Uh, you know, but yeah, there's, you know, 22 years old, Caribou Hills, you know, I mean, it's, it's a given. And um, she decided to abstain from alcohol. She doesn't use any drugs, but she's not going to drink again, she said. Mm. And she told me, as long as you, if you keep not drinking, Dad, I won't drink. Mm. And so I was like, wow. Yeah, that's, that is a wow. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but yeah, she's, uh, it's kind of weird for me because she'll do things with me, you know, or, mm -hmm. you know, <laughs> and before it's like nobody wanted to do anything with me, you know, yeah. you know Sean and his big <clears throat> drunken show, you know. It's like re-exploring your life now. It is. Uh, yeah, I've uh, definitely been reconnected with her. Yeah. Um, my ex-wife still refuses, you know, to have any any kind of uh, a uh, conversation about the kids or anything. Yeah. And uh, my son, sadly to say, for me, uh, and I'm not feeling sorry for myself, but I have had I haven't talked to my son since I uh, went to jail. Um, you know, over, a little over a year and a half ago. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, he has, doesn't want anything to do with me at the moment. Mm -hmm. you know? So it sounds like as you've gotten uh, about seven months of clean time that some of your life is uh, coming back pretty quick in some ways. Yes. And you're kind of getting some of those yeah. aspects, kind of get to learn, I guess, kind of getting some life back, you know? Yeah, I mean, exactly. When you were drinking, you're pretty well. I mean, you weren't really living, you know? No. Um, so it's like you're kind of getting to live again, and in some ways it's... There's still... I guess, like, what I'm trying to ask, I guess, is a lot of... Uh, you've been able to kind of, I guess, pun intended, clean up a lot of stuff, but in other ways it's... It's still a it's still a process. Yeah, it's definitely still and it's a my, process. It's a life, or it's a while at least, you know. Yeah. Um, and I have no idea how right. long it will take, you know. So but what a, I can deal with it without drinking, you know. Yeah. Mm. What are some of the? What do you say as we kind of wrap up? What are some of the, like? What do you think are the kind of the important things uh, in your recovery today, as well as maybe any recommendations you would have or any words to people who are either in addiction and struggling or in recovery and struggling or people who are close with those who are either in addiction or in recovery? Um, I would say uh, 
for people that are still out there uh, doing the running and gunning show, um, you know, it's, it really does work. Uh, I absolutely had zero faith in a 12-step program. <laughs> I really did. They, mm -hmm. Yeah. I have one of the counselors at Serenity House reminds me she overheard me telling all the other clients exactly <laughs> what I thought. They were idiots, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Idiots. yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, and their little slogans, you know. But, uh, you know, I also was uh, smart enough to open my mind, have an open mind, and just keep going and doing it. And, and that, I'm, that open mind might not come until you get a little bit of a clear mind. Exactly. I mean, you got to... I mean, maybe if you don't believe it, whatever, but you got to give it a shot until you can at least get a little bit of sobriety under your belt, huh? Yep, exactly. Okay. Um, and the facilities down here on the peninsula are just absolutely awesome. You know, it's from start to finish is what I understand, you know, between detox to inpatient to a transitional living. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's start to finish from like your deepest, darkest, most needy points to exactly. not as needy. You know, yeah. I mean, now you, you know, you have some accountability, you have mm -hmm. some expectations, but you don't necessarily need to be monitored by a doctor and a nurse 24 no. seven to ensure that you don't either a die yeah, or exactly. B. Yeah. A, a and B die. A, yeah. <laughs> Just die. Really? <laughs> you know? Yeah. I would say, you know, if I can do it, uh, anybody else can do it. Sure. Um, and it will change your life. It really will. And I was like one of the biggest skeptics and sarcastic about it, and but I, I didn't pick up again, and I just kept doing it, and then like I said, you get these little aha moments, you know. It's like, man, something's working here, mm -hmm. and where I am at right now, I just have had so much positive, uh, so many positive things happening, mm -hmm. and uh, it, it just is unreal. Um, and the and the way that I actually is a, a big plus of it is actually the way that I feel about myself now. You know, I, I feel like I, I am worth it, you know, and the reconnection, you know, like I said, with starting to be reconnected with family, reconnected with my religion, religious beliefs, you know, I'm a Christian, uh, reconnected with my community, and just humans in general. Um, it just is, uh, I guess it had been so long since I'd been, you know, like I said, I don't know if I've ever felt this way ever. Mm. And, well, to be honest, I don't think I ever have. Mm -hmm. And it just is, uh, it just is amazing. I'm just dumbfounded, actually, every, yeah. every day. And I look back, you know, every day I look back for a short period of where I came from, and I think, my God Almighty, you know, how did I ever survive all that stuff? You know, and how did I get here? My only regret is that obviously I wished I would have done it sooner. Mm -hmm. I really do. Um, I, you know, deeply miss my ex-wife. You know, my son. Um, but I, uh, I'm also very optimistic. You know, I, I don't know exactly when, but. Uh, I think I'll be reconnected with my son. I really do. Mm. Um, and I know there's a lot of people out there that have their children, you know, in OCS taking care of them. 
and uh, you know you can definitely you can come back from uh, all of the destruction I guess my major my one of my major things I like to say is that by becoming clean and being a good example for other people um, you really can find redemption hmm. you really can Thanks so much for sharing your story, Sean. You know, it's, it's just a story from years and years of, you know, really just becoming more and more isolated and alone and disconnected. And it sounds like for years, really not really living, not really surviving. I mean, barely. Just, I mean, there were some, I would say, years of, especially those last few, you know, years of a lot of hardship and just kind of booze-filled, you know, almost chaos, you know. Yeah, exactly. And it sounds like, I just picture kind of, it sounds like those last couple, you know, those last, that last year especially just says like a lot, I think we heard a lot, you know, I don't really remember this, I don't really remember, you know, just a blur, just a blur of being drunk and stumbling from one place to another, but ensuring that, you know, the liquor store was a consistent stop in there. <laughs> yeah. Um, yes, and now you're seven months clean, finding some peace, finding more and more connection, and really it sounds like getting to somewhat live again. Um, yes, very much so. So thank you so much for sharing your story. This is uh, Eric and Aaron and Sean and Coburn all for uh, you and I for the Kenai, and you can hear all of these uh Spotify, Google Play, Apple. Uh, We also are on Facebook and Instagram, you and I for the Kenai. Thank you very much.